1: is for now the final episode of our family series that's right today we are talking about star trek picard Woo-woo! we have entered picard seasons two and three go back to our other family episode i believe it was called oh. Kin. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> with edward johnson uh to listen to season one of family and picard and now we're talking about the rest of the seasons of Picard, which there are only two more. So, Rihanna, that was our first episode that we ever had a guest on. Yes, it was, and it was phenomenal. Shout yeah. out to Ed. Thank you for coming, Ed. On for that. that was such a great conversation, and I remember how nervous we were before yeah, that, like sweating. Both yeah. of us were sweating. We just didn't know how it was going to go. And we've since had like so many amazing guests on the pod since then. So this is definitely a moment to remember, and also uh, a moment to think about how much time has passed yeah. <laughs> since <laughs> that for Picard and for us, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. What what we're on episode 117, 118 now. This is one eighteen. Yeah. I also think if you're looking for the most immersive Dura Sister podcast experience, you should go back and listen to our family episode of TNG. It's a two-parter. So if you listen to that, you'll have even more insight about, wow, all of these families are crazy. Do you remember what the title was for those? Mm, I only remember the TOS one was something about my father. (laughs) Where my son is concerned. Ah. Uh, TOS yeah, one. Yeah. TNG part one was like something cool. <laughs> Here, I'm about to pull it up so we remember. Okay, we got the family that's in the stars is part one, and Kindred Spirit is part two.
0: Oh, cool. Got a so lot of kin, yeah,
1: yeah a lot of kin yeah fictive kin <laughs> it was, <it> was <laughs> card interesting yeah.
0: But yeah
1: so you can go back and listen to those two episodes and then picard family one and then now you can so now you're ready to hear <laughs> part two <laughs> part two <laughs> what, wonderful yeah this has been a long time in the making so it's very exciting so ashlyn we have some very exciting news um from the Duras Sisters podcast. Would you mind sharing to our listeners what we have, what has happened in this last week? Yes, it past couple weeks. It kind of been working behind the scenes. Um, Mm -hmm. We are officially a part of the Starfleet podcast network, which is exactly what it sounds like. So we were contacted by Highly Logical podcast and the Beyond Trek podcast. We actually have collaborated. We did a great live stream episode with Highly Logical a month back or so. And basically the whole idea behind this podcast network is that our goal basically is to access as much of the Star Trek podcast community as possible, because there are like 200 Star Trek podcasts or roughly something around there, which is a lot. And you think about how hard it is to get followers and especially when it's split amongst so many people. And so the idea that Jefferson from the Beyond Trek podcast explained to me is just that instead of competing with each other, why not join forces and and be just like the Federation is actually the way he described it to me. He was like, (laughs) so we can all come together and work in peace. And on the Discord, which you can just look up Beyond Trek podcast, um, Starfleet Podcast Network on Discord, they like the whole community is there all together and there is a podcast hosted on Sundays that we will sometimes be dropping into as well but we're just excited nothing nothing in our podcast is going to change but we would really encourage you to go check out startfleetpodcast.net because there you can find the list of all of the podcasts that are included yeah so and the amazing podcasts that are in this network are are the beyond trek podcast the highly illogical podcast trek talk with tech and kirk and Tribbles and transporters so it's just amazing to be a part of this group we're really excited yes yeah we are super excited starfleet podcast network check it out i like this website too because you can go check click on each podcast and then there's pictures and bios of everyone involved so, I don't know, it just makes me feel like we're part of a little family now, Rihanna. <laughs> oh, it makes me very happy and also very excited, excited to be launching our Discord officially. We're going to have like our own Discord as well as the Podcast Network Discord, so that'll be really fun, you know, and essentially to be able to start to cross-pollinate all of our different listeners and fans and get to know everyone better. So, it's going to be a blast, and I hope that you all enjoy as well. Yes, Amazing. Well, and Rihanna it'd be great to have the Discord because when we collaborate with Strange New Pod starting Mm -hmm. next year for our Discovery Farewell Tour (laughs) goodbye week we will be having we will be hosting a watch through of a season of Discovery when we're all ramping up towards the release of season five and of course we'll be participating in that week-long podcast festival as we said hosted by Strange New Pod and ourselves so that will be very exciting if you are interested in participating we will be having open applications in the fall some it's it's kind of a hybrid of people who are joining, but if you're interested and you love Discovery, um, don't hesitate to sign up when that form drops in a couple months. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and it's called The Last Days of Disco, so we just really want to send it off with a bang, and of course are devastated that disco is being canceled and another devastating news i'm sure you've all have heard at this point about prodigy it was really hard like getting into the star trek spirit yesterday when i heard this but we are just keeping our heads up and hoping that another streaming platform can pick it up and hopefully prodigy will have more life and more seasons to come after the paramount a-holes <laughs> decide to nix it so yeah just stay strong friends we understand <laughs> we're in the same boat we're feeling the sadness like you are yeah, that came as a real blow. Like we were trying to watch the Picard episodes to prepare for today and mm-hmm. I just really didn't feel like it because I'm so sad about Prodigy and Yeah. I have been following closely Aaron Wakte's Twitter and um the showrunners, like the Hegeman brothers, as well mm-hmm. as Kate Mulgrew. She hasn't released anything yet, but I'm sure she will. Just you're always watching Kate Mulgrew. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm sorry, I don't want to be like Rafi like stalking Janeway. Um. <laughs> But low-key. Um, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, keep an eye on their Twitters. They're posting um, a lot of news and updates about Prodigy. So that is good. Um, yeah. And we'll hopefully have information. that Hopefully they can get a new home, as Rihanna said. Absolutely. So, Ashlyn, let's now choose an action figure to come along on this Picard journey with us. Come aboard and ride along <laughs> on your <laughs> hopes and dreams. woo Okay, I got a character kind of from this. Kind of, okay. Who'd you get, Ashlyn? Oh, I got Jadzia. Oh, and she's you... in her Klingon outfit. She looks incredible. I yeah, love those shoulder pads. she looks great. Pads. So 90s. Yeah, for real. <laughs> okay, well, I got Voyager Q. Wow. So, you know, like I said, kind of <laughs> in Picard. <laughs> I, would, I would count him as in Picard for sure. <laughs> <laughs> whole season and a yeah. and the weird ending so <laughs> very <laughs> strange yeah Okay, Okay, well, we have our friends, and so now it is time, Ashlyn, would you like to read out the watch list of all of the season two and three episodes we watched to prepare for family today? (laughs) Yes, I would. (laughs) It might be easier for you to just get out the list of episodes for season two and three, (laughs) because it might be easier to just say the episodes we're not watching, Um, but nonetheless, I will read the watch list. (laughs) This is not in the order that we're talking about things, but here it is. Assimilation, Fly Me to the Moon, Two of One, Monsters, Hide and Seek, Farewell, The Next Generation, Disengage, Seventeen Seconds, No Win Scenario, Imposters, The Bounty, Dominion, Surrender, Vox, and The Last Generation. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. The whole of season three. It's the whole of (laughs) season three. (laughs) We really out here did it. I mean, Jack's in it. We can't not, you know. We have to talk about Jack, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just a little bit, yeah. (laughs) But we don't have to talk about him yet. Mm -hmm. So, Rihanna, before we even get started, I have to ask you an essential question. What was your random Star Trek thought of the week? My favorite and most unhinged question that we asked (laughs) at the beginning of a podcast. Like, it doesn't focus us at all. We're just like, let's now talk about something totally random. So, Rihanna, give it to me. Wow, did not come prepared for this. <laughs> I always do have a random thought, though, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, my random Star Trek thought of the week actually comes from the episode of Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 2, so just skip, like, 10 seconds ahead, <laughs> or 30 seconds if you haven't watched that episode yet. Um, but essentially, my random thought is how Star Trek nailed a, f- a freaking courtroom episode again, and how I actually, this is getting me more and more excited to maybe want to choose courtroom drama for my next series. That's just a little hint. It may not actually happen, so don't get your hopes up too much. (laughs) My hopes are sky high. (laughs) But I'm just like constantly impressed. It made me think about Measure of a Man. It made me think about like Drumhead. I mean, a lot from TNG. But even there's some amazing Deep Space Nine ones. And as my girlfriend Brianna says, she was looking for uh, Michael Dorn the whole time, hoping that he would come back and get as a lawyer, <laughs> like in. Uh... <laughs> In um the Final Stop. Frontier. Stop <laughs> Stop. Not Final Frontier. You always discovered those movies, Rihanna. I don't know why. I think it's just too much um Shakespeare metaphor, but they like <laughs> s- switch. The metaphor should be in the different uh, movie movies. <laughs> I'm <laughs> gonna die on this hill. But Undiscovered um, Country is also a Shakespeare quote. No, exactly. And but the Undiscovered Country board back from which no man returns makes me think of them going to God all the time. I'm like, uh, that's the Undiscovered okay, Country okay. is going mm. to God, but no, mm. it's not. It's discovering peace? I
0: don't
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. We were looking for Worf, but we found instead an amazing lady who played um, the Una's, like, advocator. She was incredible. I would die for her, and I really would love Giraffe uh, if she would make a outfit that, that Bernadette Croft helped design for her, because Giraffe, you look great in <laughs> as, any, as any, part, any one of those outfits would do incredible. So... Anyway, that's my random thought of the week, Ashlyn. I just no spoilers now. No, um, no, we're out of spoilers. Yeah, we're out of spoilers. I just love that you're just like calling out to a specific listener. You're like giraffe. I'm telling you right now. Right when I saw her wearing those that cool shawl and stuff, I was like, "Ooh, giraffe would look great in that." <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because I can't, I can't sew for for you know what, so. Yeah. Okay. That's Ashlyn. Rihanna's non-related Star Trek thought. <laughs> He's like, by the way, I can't. By the way, I cannot so cosplay <laughs> in that way. Um, okay. What is your random Star Trek thought of the week, Ashlyn? Okay. Um. It's like what to choose because I'm just like a mess of Star Trek. So many seasons, so many characters flying through my mind <laughs> at all times. I speed Yeah. Ugh, but I'm gonna have to say the most obvious random thought. Um. And it's okay. So. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how get to talk about voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I okay, I'm going to have maybe more of a like personal announcement in lieu of <laughs> this. Um so as you know, Rihanna and I both write fan fiction and Sorry, please go on. <laughs> I can't shut up about it because it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I decided to write a fic like way back in January because this thought like kept entering my mind. Like we watched Endgame for one of the series on the pod. Like <laughs> I, I don't God, hologram you know. series or something. Holodeck, Holodeck yeah, series. God. <laughs> 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 I didn't talk about Neelix's FaceTime with seven. No. <laughs> but, but, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, this is good this will get me like all voyager out of my system and then we can focus on picard (laughs) early on um but so i realized like how cool it would be if chakotay went back in time and janeway had died on the way home instead and how that would look so very simple thought but this has turned Mm -hmm. into a literal novel um yes. I have surpassed 50,000 words so far. <laughs> <laughs> Literal alleged in she my ribo, everyone. In my six I mean it's taken 6 months like but still. Yeah, and I'm you worried I'm worried it's like too many feels. Like every scene is just like slapping no. you with feels. So No such thing. Um Anyway, when that's out, I will for sure be announcing it because it's going to take you all a long time to read. Well, probably not, but... I'm going to be reading it for all my commutes. (laughs) If you don't like JC, you should not read it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because
1: it's a mess. Um, But anyway, so I guess my Star Trek thought of the week is I just love Janeway and I wish her the best in (laughs) in every circumstance. Yeah, I better stop myself there because it'll... um, It'll get worse. Yeah, so. My other thought is that Ashlyn's so, so cool. <laughs> and that you should all go read her fanfics because they're amazing. Um, she's at Cowboy Diplomacy <laughs> on Archive of oh, Her <laughs> Own. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all about... <laughs> Well, Rihanna is Shirley John on mm-hmm. archive of our own. It's S H E R L Y John. Yeah. <laughs> okay, also called out. Thank you. Rihanna has, um, yeah. I think, has written longer stories. I mean, you did Nanarimo like four times oh, or something. Oh, I've never written a fic that long, dude. <laughs> I don't believe so i mean maybe back in my like writing about captain america days but i'll have to check to- i literally think you surpassed me i think i got to like a, a novella so this is just i'm very excited for you i'm shaken at myself that i have this <laughs> yes. much like pent-up energy in me <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible yeah wow okay well okay. that was a great and related tangent, Um, Rihanna. (laughs) now let's talk about Rios, shall we? (laughs) Let's do it. Let's
0: talk about Rios.
1: We are starting with the episode Assimilation, where we get some fun little facts. He gets to tell a quick story about his mom while Teresa is fixing up his fingers and his whole (laughs) body. He has a concussion. It's a mess. This is season two. They've gone back in time to prevent, like, a Nazi future. (laughs) <laughs> you know, just normal- remind <laughs> everyone where that we're is at. the most star trek plot i've ever heard actually um, rios has hit his head so he's like yeah. confused and he lost his comp badge yes and so he actually has this little this really lovely story about his mother um where essentially he was eight years old when he like pretty much impressed everyone and like Did he pilot a shuttle, or he just, like, operated it? No, he did, like, a simulation. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. Yeah, he did, like, a pilot simulation at Starfleet. At eight years old, and his mom, like, pretended to be mad, but she was actually really proud. Well, yeah, yeah, Rihanna, she was proud because he beat the record for anyone (laughs) at the Academy at age eight. So that's why she's proud. I mean, she's (laughs) not, like, you're grounded. She's like, wow, you're a prodigy, you know. (laughs)
0: yeah literally
1: yeah so that was cute because we've only ever heard like that his mother like sings in lullabies and like haven't gotten really much um about her but she seems like a very loving caring spirit and so also i mean i guess i shouldn't be surprised but i I just forget that pretty much everyone in starfleet their parents were also in starfleet like that's like everyone's origin story for the most part it's rare to find a character that's like no i my parents were not in Starfleet usually the other way around yeah i guess like nog but technically rom still works for starfleet so yeah he's like a side piece (laughs) (laughs) engineer side piece yeah yeah usually it's other way around where like wesley or jake like decide not to go that path right so right it's kind of interesting but yeah, and so I kind of like that we get to hear a little bit about his mom and then we see that um, Teresa is a mom and that she has a son named Ricardo he was just the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, he's really funny. Great casting for him. Yeah, he's a great, great kid. Yeah. He is a great kid. I love their, like, mother-son dynamic. I think that it really embodies sort of the, like, just like the love you have for your kid. And also sometimes irritation, you know, like she knows that he was totally playing Rios and was gonna give him the comm badge anyway, but he just wanted some cookies, you know, like, which any kid would want some cookies. I want some cookies right now. And I thought that was just a really fun scene to sort of introduce us to um, not just Teresa, but to her like family and to like, sort of the the more, the, the bigger, grander stakes for Teresa and for Rios that will of course then become a huge plot line for him and for her yes absolutely Rihanna I also think in this first scene like Obviously Rios, like he's sort of tricked, you know, (laughs) into giving him cookies. But I think the fact that the kid tried to play him is endearing to him because Mm -hmm. Rios immediately sees a lot of himself in this kid. It's he, the kid voluntarily offers like, it's just me and my mom. My dad Mm -hmm. got remarried, which like Mm -hmm. our dad got remarried, but we still knew both of our parents growing up. So that means that he took off with another wife, with another family, with another Mm -hmm. or with another partner. Yeah, Who knows another family? So that sucks. And he says later to Teresa that he never knew his dad. And so mm-hmm. he's always, as we know, falling in love with these like old white captains. <laughs> um, <laughs> not white, I'm just saying. Like father figure yeah. captains, he always like really looks up to to kind of fill that void. And so I think when he looks at this kid and he like has the hots for Teresa, he's mm-hmm. like, hmm, you know what I could do? I could be your daddy, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, and I think too, like it seems like Teresa and Ricardo have a a good enough foundation that it wouldn't be like, I'm replacing your father, but just like an addition to the family type thing. And I think, you know, I mean, I do wonder, of course, how their dynamic goes along later when like he actually literally decides to stay in the past with them and like essentially be a part of their family. If that sort of like novelty of him being a cool spaceman wears off, or I think it seems that Ricardo was just truly inspired by him and inspired by the Europa mission to like literally clean earth's atmosphere with this. Like, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but no, I just wonder. let do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about know? it. I mean, cause he literally said that, um, you know, from the Europa mission, they found, uh, like alien spore or life or something that was able to help clean their planet. And... Renee found it. Yeah. Renee Picard. People <laughs> like this family is just entrenched. <laughs> like this family series, um, right off the bat. And so, I think that like in a way it's kind of cool to see or to at least assume that Ricardo didn't start to feel resentful like oh you're kind of taking my mom from me because I think that can happen sometimes with step parents there's just like kind of a difficulty of adjustment but I think if anything Ricardo was just super inspired by (laughs) Rios and just like his um his, his actions always seem very open to Ricardo like he was they were like drawing together and like he was telling him literally everything breaking the prime directive left and right um <laughs> and literally brought them to his ship you know all this kind of stuff so I think he's kind of got Ricardo's kind of got starry eyes for Rios which I would too as a kid absolutely meeting someone like him Oh, yeah, and I think it's it's a 50-50 thing. Like, Rios is putting in a lot of effort into getting to know Ricardo, and we only know them for a couple episodes, like, a couple hours total, you know? And Rios is like, let's go, enough to the point where he wants to stay back in time with them and <laughs> yeah. live out his life in, yeah. in our century, which is, like, so insane. But, yeah, I think just how much effort... Rios's making does not go unnoticed by Ricardo or Teresa and so he ends up just kind of fitting in with the family and that's that's great you know (laughs) good for him yeah and for this whole family like how insane they started the mariposas which is like literally a health clinic who like they help anyone who needs it kind of thing um and of course Ricardo is literally putting together this dream team and like it just sounds like they were all badasses their whole life, and oh, I'm yeah. just so impressed. Well, and I just want to point out, too, like, P- Q, you know, when we when we see all the visions of this future in the first two episodes of this season, um, we see, like, a big statue of Soong, and Q keeps saying, like, you could be the one to lead them into this history, and... So we know that it was Soon's way, like his technology brought Earth into this like disastrous future. Mm-hmm. And so it's crazy that the alternative is Ricardo yeah. bringing the great technology into the Earth's future and healing it in and in actually healing it rather than just like putting the Earth on life support. So yes. like everything that happened corresponds directly to Rio staying back in time. Like he low-key saved Earth. <laughs> Yeah, and they, they, where's the Ricardo statue, is what I'm saying. Oh, bro. Where's the Ricardo statue? <laughs> or the Renee statue? One. or both. It's just, next you know, to O'Brien's statue <laughs> in <the> Lower <laughs> Decks. Yeah, with Boybler with the great bird of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next to Jean. Yeah, we'll love that. Wow. Okay, amazing. <laughs> well, we wrap that up nicely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just <laughs> like the showrunners.
1: <laughs> I said, bye, Rio. I also, I just wanted to comment that I thought it was, I don't know it made me think when Picard was asking Guinan like and how did they dot 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 like how did they die mm-hmm. and like obviously you are curious it's kind of a morbid mm-hmm. curiosity like well we already know and it's fascinating to, to kind of see like how did people meet their ends what kind of mm-hmm. life did they live and what was their conclusion but also mm-hmm. that would I don't know I just thought it was kind of direct that Picard yeah. was just like and how would they kick it <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> god yeah it was truly a writing choice to be like and wrap it up with a bow he died with a cigar in his mouth what the hell <laughs> he sorry. died as he lived i was like "Guy, and this is so no. vague like he died in a bar fight like <laughs> in morocco i i, I, I think I it's buy. great like it's a funny death but <laughs> <laughs> but like what <laughs> i don't know it feels like yeah. it kind of trivializes his um everything he accomplished agreed agreed yeah um especially because it's like yeah, but he left Teresa and Ricardo behind just to be like, okay, bye. I'm going to go die in this bar fight, you know. Well, I think, crazy. I mean, she said that um, Teresa died of old age and Rios just a few years before. So I think... Yeah, a little younger. I think said, yeah. he yeah. was, like, old and got in a bar <laughs> fight, you know what I mean? <laughs> like... <laughs> so I guess that, that kind of tracks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay, well... <laughs> Farewell to them. Um, Oh, God. Let's talk. Oh, I'm not ready. Let's talk about Corey. (laughs) Speaking of the Soon statue. Uh, So, Corey is amazing. Let's just put that out here. No shade to Corey. Corey did nothing wrong. Corey literally did all right, and Soon did all wrong. I think that, like, what really tipped me off first soon just obviously first of all it's a soon so we know that this isn't like red alert (laughs) when you hear this name you better stop (laughs) in your tracks yeah like that is a red flag if i've ever seen Uh (laughs) you just having the name soon um roast also profile profiling no i'm just kidding (laughs) i mean am i wrong (laughs) um laon would like to ask you some questions hey that's sing that's con noonian sing it's different there's a connection. We'll talk I about know, it. We saw the file. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Anyway. I'm sorry to derail. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no,
1: you're fine. Um what really also tipped me off to, oh god, this guy is a mess, is that he just pulls up in his rich bitch house with his rich bitch Tesla. <laughs> I'm sorry for cursing twice, but what? Why did they have to put that little Tesla sponsorship in there? It was very gross. It also just shows you his kind of like characters. Like, oh yeah, he's got his car, he's got his pool, he's got his money, his house, and all of his children that he's building from scratch, and he still yet doesn't have what he truly wants, which is whatever uh, kind of godlike uh, desire he has i just think that's like really interesting metaphor and i think they did that really well yeah i i didn't take the tesla as the sign of satan um <laughs> like you did i know elon is terrible like the worst mm-hmm. but i will say like electric cars are our future yes and so if you're trying to personify someone who's really wealthy and i i don't know who's wealthy and is trying to like I don't I don't know like a Tesla is like the choice you make I don't know yeah well and I'm not saying that like people who drive a Tesla's are the devil like absolutely not I'm I'm just saying it speaks a lot to his character with the pool with the house with like having basically seemingly everything he wants mm-hmm. or everything you you could desire as a par- probable millionaire as he or maybe at least he seems to make good money um and yet he still is making all these sort of failures when it comes to like the actual science behind building these children it's just like so it's so interesting how he has this like facade in front and then like sort of a dark underbelly like okay very interesting y- you to know me. what i ah, darn you convinced me because <laughs> now i'm thinking like actually soon driving a tesla makes no sense because yeah. he does not care about the environment and so it's status, it's status and he wants to fit in with everyone and be like oh yeah i'm I'm environmentally conscious so i drive a tesla but really I mean, he supports elon I, rihanna yeah yeah, yeah. i this think this is the thing exactly like, what you're saying this underbelly wow if people drive a tesla and they're actually doing it to like help the environment then amazing like it's all about intent and i think here soon is just in using intent like like elon would which we all know how poorly that goes. (laughs) (laughs) If you could look at the state of the world right now through Elon's eyes, like, oh my god. So, very interesting. Um, Wow, surprising. Okay, nice job, Rihanna. Wow. (laughs) Thank you. And no shade to tesla drivers unless you're literally driving it just to look cool but even if you are thanks for helping the planet yeah <laughs> thanks for putting more <laughs> please don't money hit in a millionaire's pocket <laughs> don't hit picard with your tesla please <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course it was a tesla oh my god that kills me okay so. well he might have actually gotten a different car i don't i don't recall he might but have anyway garage he meant to hit him with a tesla but <laughs> okay so um i also just think it's amazing how much corey just puts up with soon and this is sort of what i wanted to talk about with some family dynamics is that like there's so much that we unwilling or not that we unwittingly put up with in families that we assume to just be normal and until you see an environment with maybe a more healthy family or a dynamic that's different than yours, you don't think anything of it, really. And so I think that Koray is pretty much seeing soon through the lens of he's my father, he's doing everything he can to protect me, and therefore I have to be a pretty much a pseudo-prisoner in my own house. You know, like, this is all for my own good. I will literally die if I go outside and touch grass. Like, it's not, it's not good for her, obviously. But she has this little we see this like weird another like what is this rich person bs that he has that's like essentially just use an umbrella but okay there's like this whole covering thing that has run by like droids or like fucking, uh, <laughs> droids rihanna no what are they called the drones drones, drones. Not not Star, Star Wars. Wars. yeah so he's got like a bunch of drones that hold up this like covering anyway I'm like, you could probably have her be outside more if that's the case. If it just is because the son kills her, <laughs> like there's other ways, you know? And so I think it's just really interesting because she just implicitly trusts him because she, because he's her father and he's like, she's like, okay, well, he's doing what's best for me. And I think it's really interesting that like, we all want to look at our parents through that lens of like, they're just here to keep me safe. This is their job as a parent is to keep me safe, keep me well, you know, but this is obviously not her best life, and she's obviously not like well in this situation, and so it's really interesting to see sort of how this dynamic begins. Yes. Oh, and Rihanna, thank you for talking about the weird cover. This actually sparked a new thought for me because, okay, I, I won't lie, I I don't have Corey's like case file in front of me, so I don't know the specifics <laughs> sure. of her disease and and everything, but. Because initially, like, Rihanna and I, I, we were actually watching some of these episodes together. And for, I think Rihanna made a comment like, like, sh- he's forcing her to stay in the house. Like, keeping her a prisoner, as Rihanna just said on the pod. And I was kind of like, well, you know, she's sick, like, in this very specific way. So she actually can't leave the house. But now I'm thinking about it. Like, did she, did he try, like, sunscreen? <laughs> you know, like, um, or what, <laughs> yeah. like, what if, can she go outside with that thing covering her, like, yeah, bring the drones patio. with her. Yeah. yeah, or, like, just get covered in clothes and then go outside. And then when she's in a building, she can just, like, act normally. Because I don't think, like, you know, fluorescent light is going to hurt her. Yeah. Um, so I think that there are ways around her condition that he is shutting down completely, not because he hasn't thought of them but because, well, number one, his secret might get out that he, like, created a child yeah, from nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. from, like, unethically, unethically. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. And if he actually cared about her as a daughter, which he does not really, um, I think he would pursue these courses of actions, but it, it's made very clear several times that, he views her as his life's work, as an experiment, as the thing that's going to make him even more rich and make him ex- like eternally famous and not because he's raising a wonderful person, you know? Yes, Ashlyn, so true. And I think it goes hand in hand with his sort of like God complex he's got going on. Like most soon we see that they believe and um what's his name? Adam. Which soon is this? I don't even freaking know. I think it's Adam. It's the most like <laughs> name that's closest Basic,
0: to ours, yeah. Dave. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> what
1: was the name of the murder play that we were talking about with Gabby? Steve or something? Is, uh I Terry. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. Larry? I think it was Larry. Larry. Yeah. Larry Larry Soon. (laughs) Soon. But anyway, Adam, whatever his name is. Driver. No, sorry. (laughs) Driver. Drive it over Picard. That's for sure. Got him. Nice. (laughs) Um, Wow. So because he has this God complex, right, I think that he also believes that since he can create things, he can also destroy or take away things. And so we see this when Kore is figuring out, looking through all the files understanding that, oh, I don't have this memory. Oh, that's another child. Like, these are all different experiments of children. And, you know, obviously, I think Soon definitely felt something when each child died, but I think that it came out of a failure on his part to make a successful test subject more than it did of like the The sort of feeling like a failure of a parent for not keeping your child safe or feeling that grief of losing a child I think it comes more out of like that's the other reason that he sort of imprisons Kore is the sort of power and control he has over her is so intoxicating for him I think that he created her and he knows that he can sort of move her to his will and keep her locked away like you said absolutely for a secret because this would definitely be a catastrophe for him if if she just wandered around and people found out about her but also i think it's just this like power complex you know and even when she gets the injection from q um it makes her very almost benevolent to him and saying like wow thank you father you did this like how did you do this kind of thing and i'm starting to realize more and more that she is truly just like a prisoner of his own creation like he created her For her to just be stuck inside all day. I mean, extremely bored, probably, just losing her mind. And um he even told her like you have so much to catch up on because i've kept you locked inside all these years i'm like again where's your umbrella like anything could have worked <laughs> oh god Ryan and i were laughing because like <laughs> she does not know how to swim and yeah. she like jumps in the pool <laughs> yeah. yeah if that's the first thing you're gonna do is like take her for a swim like that's dangerous that's <laughs> right there is he gonna yeah. dive in when she starts drowning well yeah he will for sure he will for his subject. yeah so it, it's just interesting because he trusts she trusts him initially because you have to trust your parent or else like what do you have to sort of have a foundation of? And has she interacted with any other human mm. in her life? I'm not Period. joking about this. Like does Soon have friends that he would bring over for dinners and she would like come sit upstairs? No, because the people would be asking like, why is it your daughter at school? Like why is she yes. <laughs> locked in this house? Yeah. So I, I, I think like – it's Stockholm Syndrome 100%, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I have so many thoughts. I'm going to yeah. start with, I am. I was really thinking about the Diviner, actually, watching mm-hmm, their relationship because mm-hmm. we just talked so much last week about Gwen and the Diviner because I think both of them view their daughters in two ways because, one, they have a purpose to fulfill, and then, number two, they're the child of, you know, that's that's their daughter. Um, and so I just feel bad for both Corey and Gwen for (laughs) having to go through this. Um, also, Soon 100% did this to himself in terms of, like, how he does not really care that much about Corey as a, as a, as a blood relation, like, as a daughter, because he watched literally thousands of his children, or, like, maybe not thousands, but, like, hundreds of girls who look just like her die, and so he's completely numb to watching this and he has no interest in like returning to empathy or going to therapy or like sorting through any of this because the only thing keeping him alive I think is this determination to see this project through to the end um and third thing I love what you said about him creating her for his or not 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 for the sole purpose to control someone but that's what the relationship has become is this like power dynamic and then when we think about TNG with Noonien Singh the dad who created Data he it it was kind of the opposite like he created something and he had every single aspect of Data's creation within his control and yet his purpose was he wanted data to expand beyond his limits essentially like out of his control and just like do his own thing and evolve and so i just wanted like I, it's rare to do a shout out to this the noon the noonian Singh, to the sing family <laughs> because like yeah. this like, family. the intentions do a complete 180, where, where first you're creating something because you can, and that's so exciting, and you end up controlling them, like with Corey, or you control everything, and then you let them fly and do your thing, which is much more of what a parent is actually being like. Like, you make the baby, and you do the best you can, and then you let yep. it go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, I just, I thought that was really interesting. Wow, Ashlyn, just, like, point after point is such, such amazing Uh, So well said. I think the thing we have to remember about Noonien soon, though, is that he also created lore and didn't like him enough and thought he (laughs) was too out of control and tried to control him and then got basically... Uh, Laura went on a murder rampage. I mean, nobody's so, perfect, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same type of thing, you know. Oh, I don't like how you're doing this enough, so I'm going to shut you off, or I'm going to pack you up into a little box and never let you see the sun, you know. Yikes. Like where I'm going to, you know, <laughs> like yeah, that's BS essentially. So the other thing too you mentioned about Gwen and the Diviner, I love that parallel because it also reminds me that both of them are being kept in the dark as well, Corey and Gwen, and that is the ultimate way to control people is through knowledge and through like how and when you disseminate information to them is essential in like how you sort of keep people controlled and this is true about like smear campaigns it's true about propaganda it can be done on a global scale but it can also be done in this sort of familial scale and what's happening with these sort of father daughter relationships is that we see that Soon is lying blatantly to Corey, saying, oh, yeah, I made this vaccine, it works. And she's like, how did you have a breakthrough? Like, what happened? He's just like, forget about it. Don't worry. Like, it's all good. And so, <laughs> of course, that comes to bite him in the butt again. And she, because, of course, then she starts to get suspicious when, of course, the vaccine only works for, what, a minute or two. Yeah. Because Q is, a, <laughs> he's just he says so annoying 10% at the beginning the rest at the end of the job yeah. <laughs> literally yeah um and so the fact that he is keeping these things from her obviously the biggest lie that he's telling is that they're you know like that she is a mother and that they he was not that she was not just created by soon in a lab and um it's just very interesting to me to see that like this is how you control people and how these sort of manipulative fathers are controlling her. And this part really pisses me off is the fact that when soon comes home, like drunk and devastated, driving his stupid Tesla. (laughs) um, And after he didn't hit Renee Picard, but hit Picard instead, um, he is like a mess and Corey then feels like she has to sort of be the parent and she has to take care of him and so I wonder how often this happens when he comes home frustrated about like the lack of a breakthrough or when he didn't get funding for this project and they were like you're crazy you know like laughed him out of the institute type thing like I think that she is also then playing this caregiver role that is not fair to her at all just adding an extra layer of bs that I hate and Like, I really, really love that this is when she starts snooping, because she's like, he's acting weird, he's like a mess, like, what is happening? And so then, you know, everything starts to come to light, seeing all the videos, seeing that she was the last, you know, he said in the video, there's a sense of relief of that, you know, that this is my last project so if she dies i'm done kind of thing oh so spooky this is such a Mm -hmm. well-delivered scene like congrats to brent spiner i mean he's god he's so annoying but i love him like (laughs) right he's so talented as an actor he does such a good job and he's such a weird human um Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) chilling scene because like he has this whole thing like you just said and then he's like corey and his eyes mm. like even though it's not threatening at all it, it's like oh, you get a little oh no <laughs> like yes. this is all unraveling before my eyes and i can't help but think about and we've talked about this so we won't go on and on but this is such a parallel to poor dodge and soji from mm. season one so i just feel bad for the soon line is like taking these um like creations along with them through the years and putting them through essentially the same thing like oh i'm a human psych i'm an android like oh i'm a human psych i was created by my dad and i'm like illegal (laughs) you know yes um just that that terrifying moment where you realize the reality you thought is wrong completely wrong um and then also i just thought it was hilarious that when she starts snooping around she literally goes on google and all she does is type adam soon (laughs) and that and then boom it's all there like he's been disbarred or not disbarred but like he's removed from the medical board and blah 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 and like she really never thought to google her dad her whole (laughs) life like was does she even have internet in her house i'm wondering because how could you not google your dad or google like school or I don't know. She's probably even just taught not to touch the computer, you know, like this is dad's work. Like, but she can navigate it really well. And, and, Mm -hmm. oh, and the other thing I was going to say, Rihanna, when you're talking about her in this caregiving position, Mm -hmm. totally agree with you. And I think that they display such a weird, like variety of relationships in this Mm -hmm. scene, because I really see her trying to pump him up as a colleague. Like she's trying Mm -hmm. to talk science with him because she thinks I can understand what's going on. Like, I'm as consumed with this on a different level, like, than as you are, Dad. So, let's talk about this through a scientist. And so, it's almost like a colleague way that she's trying to address him, but he's always above her in every way. And it gets really messy if you try to have different types of relationships with one person. Like, that should, you know, a healthy way of growing up as a father daughter, growing up, like, as friends and not mm-hmm. as a father's not good <laughs> growing up like yes. as colleagues and yeah i mean th- that can be achieved at some point you know but like this is this it's just not weird the like yes. the the dynamics in this whole thing is weird and as you said the caregiver just adds a weird element too so i so just true. kept thinking that she has no friends and she's so lonely like this is the only thing she can do is reach out in these different types of ways to try to reach him and when yeah. she can't she's like well this is messed up <laughs> So so true, dude. Thank you for saying that. It's such a good point. Yeah, dude. Yeah, saw, <laughs> dude. Okay, Sigh. we want to move on to Raffy. Well, let's just say that. Um, thank God Will Wheaton comes. Woo! Um, to the library. <laughs> <laughs>
0: outside the library yes yes um <laughs> she she's cured yeah
1: she gets the cure she literally leaves soon just the first thing she does absolutely Amazing. iconic yes. um and then she goes with wesley um but i should say formally the being formally known as wesley crusher <laughs> yes the traveler that was the greatest i screamed so loud <laughs> what a good end yep. for her that's that was really epic yeah and honestly we could see her again i'm ready i'm ready for the traveler series (laughs) can you imagine the weird episode it'll be it'll be like will wheaton comes with corey like (laughs) to like hug bev and she's like what's going on (laughs) Hello, (laughs) and picard's like you look like doge 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 You look like Doja Cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Stop! You look like Soji. Wow! I like combine yeah. their names into one <laughs> Incredible, show stopping! Wow. Okay, Jesus. Well, let's let's <laughs> let's go on to Rafi. Short and yes. sad. Um. <laughs> uh. Long stories, short story, sad. Yeah, this is. Um, Let's begin with Elnor. (laughs) My baby boy, the love of my life. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm. You need to. So. (laughs) Do you want to talk about it? I don't want to talk about (laughs) it. You go. So Elnor dies um, in the future and Rafi's like really messed up, obviously. I mean, everyone's sad, (laughs) but this is like a crisis situation. um, And Rafi's having a really hard time getting through it. For a lot of reasons, you know, um, she lost her she lost contact with her own son. Like she's pretty estranged from him because of the way that she acted during the Romulan um, sun exploding and the evacuation and everything because she was so obsessed. Supernova. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she was just so obsessed with a conspiracy going on that. She basically left her family behind. We also know that she was a user, like drug addict, like probably alcoholism, especially when she was removed from Starfleet because of Picard. Lots of like tangled webs we have going on with Rafi. And so, her son just does not contact her anymore and we did see you know a a slight moment with them together in season one that showed us really the dynamics of how toxic he believes her to be and how he doesn't believe rafi and does not want to give her another chance And so, enter Elnor, who's this, like, perfect baby boy, and he's so pure, and he just does whatever you say, and Rafi can't help but love him and want to control him and see him as her own son. This, of course, is a different type of control than soon, like we were just talking about, but she can't help but want to do, she wants the best for Elnor, and so for her, the best means going to Starfleet Academy and following in her footsteps, but... He who like it doesn't seem like he really wants that and before he died he uh, quote unquote died um he was kind of questioning like should I stay in Starfleet like I kind of want to go back to my home the quap you know and that. the quap yeah. And that yeah like he wants to take on other missions and go back to his roots and Rafi basically like with a soft hand you know she kind of guilt him into it yeah. um into staying into Starfleet like oh you know what am I gonna do without you you know like type of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's not great. And so, yeah, we just see him, like, she's just, we just see her completely putting Elnor into the shoes of her son, which is a relationship that she can't fix by using Elnor as a placeholder. Even though, like, found families are important, this type of control that she's using over him is not great. Yeah, this is such a like, interesting theme I'm seeing throughout a lot of this family episode that we're discussing is sort of the desire to like or the misplaced familial feelings onto other people like we're gonna see this with Riker we are low-key even Jordy has a moment like this so it's just really interesting to see that like a lot of our characters do struggle with this when they've sort of lost touch with their family or having issues with their family they sort of seek to mend it elsewhere and of course that doesn't work because you got to communicate and you've got to be open and willing to take criticism and willing to learn and i think rafi is at that place but gabe is not her son is not and we actually learn more about that if we're ready to talk about three i'm Um, ready rieta let's go season three yeah so we learn more about that when rafi meets up again with her ex-husband jay and he essentially tells her that like you ambushed our son or he felt ambushed at the uh, medical facility on freecloud and rafi's like well i did not mean to ambush him i just wanted to meet his wife and you know learn sort of oh they're having a baby amazing like just sort of try to reconnect but gabe wasn't ready for that and so it just it becomes incredibly complicated because jay is sort of just making assumptions that Rafi is back in that same place where she's spiraling about conspiracy that's not true which mind you she was correct both times she was right about the first romulan conspiracy against uh the synths and all that stuff and she was absolutely right about the starfleet conspiracy um to try to you know wreck starfleet for federation day so um with that in mind jay doesn't believe her at all that this conspiracy is happening. I don't think he even really believes that she's a part of Starfleet intelligence. I think that he thinks (laughs) that she's just sort of uh, sunk back to her old ways and is desperate to reach out. Um, And of course, then he sort of gives her this ultimatum, which is just a horrible thing to do for any type of person. It's very manipulative. He says either I'll put in a good word for Gabe, or I'll give you the contact you need for this Ferengi guy, Sneed. And of course, she has to choose The contact because her relationship with her son wouldn't matter if all the Federation is destroyed and if all the world's ending, (laughs) you know, like these stakes she understands. And this is kind of what I think she had to grapple with. And I'm not, you know, giving Rothy a pass. I know that what she did in the past was not good. And like the way that she left her family is obviously hurt everyone, including herself. But I am saying that like she she tends to choose the higher cause, just like someone we know called Picard. <laughs> Constantly choosing, you know, the the imminent threat over the sort of familial ties or the connections that could, you know, sort of maybe go into fruition had she chosen that direction. So it's just like a horrible way to manipulate somebody. And it's clear that he has not done any type of healing or none of these people have gone to therapy is what I'm thinking. <laughs> There's no therapy to be found. I mean, they're they're really following in next generation's footsteps. Like, <laughs> yeah, no one, one counselor for a whole ship of like <laughs> one counselor for like two shows. <laughs> like, yeah. Poor Troy, Troy, her her back must be aching from yeah. carrying the weight of the trauma. <laughs> taking everyone else's and her own, which we will talk about later. Literally <laughs> yeah. coming soon to yeah. a, a podcast near you. Yeah. Um. Okay, Rihanna. Thanks for laying this down. Mm -hmm. you said a lot of great things (sighs) first thing i want to address is jay i think not adam not dave um jay (laughs) Jay. uh, jay references the ambush as you talked about i did not think he was talking about actually the moment on free cloud obviously he did like literally she did appear at a medical facility but that's when she first found out that his wife was pregnant or in this conversation jay's talking about like a grandchild maybe like a grandbaby girl because she did say i just wanted to meet her yes and also we can't forget i've been writing my crazy ass fic um (laughs) that this takes place a couple years after season two and so it's Mm. it's like four years after season one so this is like a grandbaby like this is a, a little girl that's Rafi's never met and so I Mm -hmm. think now that enough years have been removed she's thinking hey let me get back so this could have accident like could have absolutely been an ambush um like an attempt for which I I wouldn't put it past Rafi to try to reconnect but everything else that he does like completely disbelieving her everything's terrible but Mm -hmm. okay here's the other thing there are so many ways to be a mother and some mothers when they have their babies they feel the connection right away and are like wow this is my baby I would like fight for them love you and some others are like all right, cool, I made this thing, now Mm -hmm. I have to go out and raise it. And it doesn't mean that the love is any different, but not every woman feels that like strong connection to their child. It doesn't mean that the love is any less, I should say. Mm. And so when I see the way that Jay is describing Rafi and Gabe's relationship, I just feel like Jay is putting his own emotions on the situation and unfair judging Rafi for her part Because he says over and over again, like, when I, when everything happened and our careers were falling apart and the Romulan evacuation was happening, he was in Starfleet too, And Mm -hmm. he stepped down. He left because he was like, I need to focus on our son because he's in trouble. Mm -hmm. And Ralphie and Raffi continued her career. And it's, it's so complicated. Like, there's so many factors that... I don't even know about, (laughs) you know, obviously I wasn't there growing up with them, but I do think that it's a little unfair. And I feel like it's just because she's a a mother and a woman Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm. places these expectations on her. Like, well, every, you know, as if implying like, well, the good thing to do would have been to step down and like join. But Rafi, as you said, is absolutely right about what's going on with Starfleet and with the Romulans and the attack on Mars. And I don't know. I, I I just feel bad for her because that's probably what their marriage was like the whole time was like, you're not being enough of a mother, but Rafi's just doing the best she can. And, and I'm sure she was not a great mother at some points. Like everyone's human. We're all, we're all just doing the I'm best. Also we sure can. He was not a great father at some points. Yeah. And so I just think it's unfair to blame her after all these years for everything that mm-hmm. happened when clearly he is manipulative too, because that whole conversation he had with her was completely manipulative and, mm-hmm. Um, just not believing a word that she says. And like you said, the ultimatum that he forces upon her to choose is so messed up and yes. closes the door, which I think he wants on mm-hmm. them speaking any further. Yeah, exactly. And I think, too, this, uh, you know, of course, people can shake their or shake their heads if I'm wrong, but at least from... You can only shake your heads. You can't object. <laughs> you can't object because I can't hear you. Yep. But- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right in if I'm wrong about this, but... Um, I feel like, too, a lot of times with, like, difficult relationships with uh, former people uh, of addiction, there can also be this sort of um, disbelief that they're clean or disbelief that they have changed or have gotten better. 100%. And I think that that is a failing on, on the part of the person who's still healing. And I know that that's a really tough wound to close and to heal. But, again, therapy helps. And also just, like being open and willing to listen. You know, it's your ex-wife. I don't really care about that. I care that you'd still treat people like decent human beings and give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance to grow before you just assume they haven't, you know? And I think that, yeah, boom. This This is where Jay really fails and... I want to say too, thank you so much for talking about that sort of maternal instinct because this pisses me off to no end that people just assume that all women inherently have a maternal instinct or that they inherently have to be good mothers and that the men can sort of um, also sort of kick kick up their feet and chill and just coast by sometimes or go babysit the kids for the weekend. The conversation is never about oh he doesn't have the paternal instinct like he's going to be a terrible father. That's literally never ever discussed correct and this is another thing that i'm going to go on a rant on when we talk about riker um later on so and i love will don't get me wrong so don't get mad <laughs> before i don't see will. hang up on us don't <laughs> yeah, please don't, don't stop leave. the pod right now. <laughs> um but like you'll see why because for some reason the writers are deciding to go this direction and and continue to feed into this rhetoric that the women are the ones at home caring for the child constantly while the men are out doing the work drinking with their pals um, and then they come home and then, you know, like, it, it, it's so interesting because a parenting, parenting is a partnership, just as much as marriage is, just as much as dating is. It's all about partnerships. And yes, everything can't be 50-50 all the time, but things can be more even in the household. And I think that these sort of gender roles, the fact that they're still being perpetuated in a show about the future is pretty, like, just bums me out a lot you know it's like I thought we've moved past this like TNG was the show to put men in dresses it was the show to talk about Star Trek in general was the show to talk about fathers raising kids you know single fathers raising children successfully and being very there for them present in their lives and Star Trek has always tried you know to talk about parenthood in a really different and a diverse way and so I was feeling like Picard was kind of letting us down the show Picard was kind of letting us down in this way of saying let's just fall back on the stereotypes again, you know? And I don't know if it comes down to writing or just like a sort of not quite understanding that how the dynamics are actually really complex. Rihanna, they but, asked, yeah. they, they heard the fans. They said they wanted a TNG reunion. And so they mm-hmm. brought every aspect that we didn't want. <laughs> I, yeah. I think- Including per- not giving Troy and Crusher enough lines. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. I think this is 100%- writing and show running problems Mm -hmm. that we're seeing right now like Terry Metalis has done so much for Mm -hmm. Trek but also he's coming at it from a fan's perspective Mm -hmm. and he wants to create the TNG show he saw in the 80s which was the 80s which is yeah yeah. and so I the characters in 20 years have changed like we have changed mm-hmm. as fans in 20 mm-hmm. years longer 35 the
0: world has years. changed yeah
1: the world has in changed years, and yeah. so it's a little yeah it's a little irresponsible even though it's these i know these scenes are talking about are tiny yeah, it seems like we're nitpicking but we have to be because it's about women being perceived in a way that i don't like yeah yeah you know? yeah exactly it's the bs yeah yeah so thank you for literally we saw tng and it was not like this for for the most part but i think we're Mm -hmm. what we're getting in this tng season three reunion season eight reunion is that it's like all wrapped up in a in a present and the nuance is not there that we're used to naps okay I gotta I gotta stop thinking about this um <laughs> thank Mina, you Ashlyn this wasn't like this talk got me fueled I feel like we're just oh it's yeah it's true though we have to talk about this stuff No, so. we do and all right okay well it's it's time there's no better time to talk about Riker. <laughs> Riker 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 I'll Riker 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 you oh <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> well said i'm from both of us <laughs> okay it's riker time and what uh, this is what everyone's been waiting for <laughs> uh, riker's existential crisis okay so what's going on with him here because I, I mean this looks like a middle-aged crisis you know yeah. but i think it's like riker's too cool for that you know what i mean it's processing grief way after the fact yes which is not uncommon at yeah. all. Like, no, just no one talks about it. Like, going through True. grief, like, years and years later, absolutely a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, here we go. We're diving right into it. <laughs> yeah. um, the first Woo. scene, which we've already been uh, alluding to a couple times <laughs> with Rihanna's rant about women, um, <laughs> yes. is that Riker goes for a little joyride with Picard at the bar. Uh-huh. Right um, after his son's born, mind you. Like, newborn baby at home. Okay, to be fair, though, I mean, I'm not a mom. I... Know a lot of moms, and like even when Gabby was born, I was 16, Rihanna was 14. Mm -hmm. Like, we have a lot of young cousins growing up. I know that those first six months of having a newborn are like a nightmare not a nightmare, I mean, so happy, (laughs) Uh, but. um Miracle but nightmare. It's yeah. it's like life changing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because suddenly you're like, what do I do with this baby? Like, I can't yes. do all my normal things. I can't see anyone because I'm so tired and exhausted. And yes. um, sometimes you have to go back to work. But totally. uh, so I understand needing a break and that like having having family in town to like help out with that is amazing on the parents. Yes. Um, and so... Like, I understand. I'm super willing to defend Riker for, like, going out to have a drink with his buddy. But the fact that, like, this is the way that they show Troy, because Riker... Mm -hmm. And and also, this... I mean, so this is the episode 17 seconds we're talking about. Great episode, even great opening scene, because Riker is talking about when Thad, his son, was first born. He was on the Titan... And Troy goes into labor and then he gets a call up to the bridge that says, You need to get down here. And it's like he's like, Oh my god, I feel like Kirk, you know, like yeah. Scotty just called me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he runs to Sick Bay. He's like, and it takes 17 seconds for him to get down on the turbo lift. And that whole time then Picard interrupts is like, That's when you became a father. <laughs> you know? yeah. And and that's essentially the sentiment. Like, that's when his paternal instinct kicked in, you know. And and he even has a line that he says, You suddenly Realize you would burn the world for them and i'm just mm. gonna drop that here we're gonna talk about it a little more but what did you think about this opening scene rihanna great metaphor i do love that story he told um a little concerning that he was like only worried about his newborn being sick and injured when you know his wife is literally the one doing labor um but we assume that labor is not as deadly as, as it even can be today i would also assume know? that like he was thinking about troy but for the purpose of the story he just (laughs) didn't mention it you know yeah yeah there just seems to be a lot of troy erasure going on in this scene or just making a joke out of her being tired and being like will come home i think that that's what didn't quite sell me on the whole Riker needs a break yes he does but then they make a whole joke out of troy being like can you come home are you really having beers right now like i need you here which i assumed it was troy being like go get out of the house like you're being a little too clingy a little too attentive like I need this time alone with my son. That's what I assumed until they made it into this haha okay the nags here got to go type vibe which yes, I didn't love. I agree. I didn't love that. I completely agree. There's even a wonderful scene in Shits Creek um where Jocelyn like literally has Roland just stay later at the motel because she's like, I I just realized that when I'm pregnant, he gets very clingy and he's always there. And so I just need some time alone. I just need to go take a nap, like that kind of stuff. And that is amazing to advocate for yourself as a person uh, to like say, this is the time I need either with my baby or just like while I'm pregnant type thing. And so that, like you said, very common, very good for them to have their space. But The way they delivered it was just super weird to me and didn't seem like a good start to like (laughs) your little family here you're starting. You know, I mean, we're already seeing that he's a starship captain. They're already, she's already having the baby on a starship, likely during a crisis. Um, So it just seems like a lot of chaos going on right now. And it just didn't seem right, you know, the way that they executed it to make it a joke like that. So that's sort of where I'm coming from. If y'all are feeling mad that I'm like hating on Raker, I'm mostly hating on the way that they portrayed Troy and the whole situation. I'm with you, Rihanna. That totally changes the tone of the scene. And even Mm -hmm. if I think of it like, well, Picard, Riker, and Troy are ancient friends. Like, they've known each other for so long. And so, number one, like, Troy's not afraid to be that, like... Definitely. Blunt in front of Picard. Yes. I mean, think about Loxana, like blunt queen. You know, and like literally, we only get more like our parents as we age, <laughs> for better for worse. And so I feel maybe a little bit of Loxana coming out, which is good because there's nothing wrong with Loxana. She just like says it how it is. But two, the f- the fact that she said I haven't brushed my hair in 37 hours, I was like, has he not been home? Yeah, what's for three happening? days like why can she not even brush her hair like this is a red flag this is a red alert yes. to me yes. like fire on will you know fire, fire 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 at will, will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so 100%. that was a red flag for me and yeah it totally changes the tone yeah i think that yeah though the metaphor though it's like really successful in this and i love the idea of sort of that 17 seconds of like you know sort of that realization of i could lose this person therefore i love them more than ever you know and especially the idea of meeting some or loving someone you haven't even met yet like like your unborn baby or you're currently being born baby you know i think is really special and such a cool idea Riker going into this season we're learning a lot about what happened to him sort of post nepenthe because we saw the episode nepenthe where he's Hanging out with him and with Troy and Kestra on the planet Nepenthe, he's making pizzas, being a little riker self, you know, seemingly okay, as what we're what we're seeing. But the more I do read into Nepenthe as a episode, now seeing season three, I do see that he is. And not that you can be two of any way when you're grieving. Like, it's okay if you smile and laugh and are okay when you're grieving. Like, that's absolutely normal and, a and, you know, a good thing of the process. But we're kind of learning here that Riker was just sort of numb to it all and continuously sort of allowing Troy and Troy sort of putting on him her own sort of betazoid powers to help, quote-unquote, like, speed up the grieving process, which, of course, she's realizing later. That's not how it works. So I think, like... It is interesting to look back at Nepenthe because we see that Troy is really hurting still about that. Of course, I say still like it's a crazy thing, but it's not at all. Of course, of course, losing a son sounds just like impossible, truly. I don't know how they got through it. And we can see now that, that they are still going through it and they are still working. They're just not in tandem and they're not communicating in the ways they need to. So I thought that this is really interesting to put sort of a different spin on the episode in season one when I sort of was just like, oh, it's like a cute little happy family episode with like a sad like, sort of tone of Thad's death hanging over it. Rihanna, thank you. Yes, totally agree. The grieving is very present in Depenthe, and I thought it was interesting because we were so many years removed. Also, it's just jarring because we haven't seen these characters for 20 years, and (laughs) characters we've never met have died, and everyone's, like, different... Yeah. Um, and great point about how like you don't know how they could get through it like mm-hmm. there's some really crazy percentage like of parents who lose their children like almost all of them get divorced or mm-hmm. like can't stay together or maybe it's half it's some like really like startling yeah. percentage but when you think about it like yeah that's that Makes just sense. it sounds insane so yeah um, it's a it is amazing that they stay together through this and as I uh, uh, I'm just, I'm conflicted about having this plot in the season three yes. um thread because there's already so much going on. And I know that because they are refocusing the, uh, the cast to be exclusively TNG, kind of all the major players have to have a plot or have some sort of growth to happen. Yeah. I acknowledge that. And I'm fine with that because that's great writing. Like, what if Riker totally. was just here and nothing happened to him and... Yeah. whatever we love to see Riker and Troy but I just think that this is too late for them to be dealing with this I'm not trying to say that to say like they're gr- it's like a, a grieving problem it's no, a writing no. problem <laughs> Yeah. because um, yes. I would have loved to see this in season one you mm-hmm. know if they had chosen to include the Riker family more um, so I I just kind of wish the problem wasn't like their marriage and I mean, it, it's fine that it's grief, and I, I think that's what takes it to a really deep place. But I don't know. I just, it, it just didn't feel like it was natural for them to be having like this fight in the jail and everything. And and that's it makes it's what makes it feel more like a Riker's having a midlife crisis. Yeah, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, I see what you mean. I think my only pushback is that this is kind of how Star Trek rolls as a franchise. If we think about it, like every deep talk they have in Discovery is during a major crisis and all of their like all of their deepest breakthroughs in Deep Space Nine are absolutely during a war scene <laughs> like or during a scene where they're running around the corridors in TOS and then suddenly Kirk and Spock are finally talking about their feelings or McCoy's having a breakthrough with Spock during a movie like this is so common that unfortunately like I like it in the way that it moves along both the emotional plot and the actual plot but I dislike it in the way that it feels like how? How are any of you doing all of this at once? I would not be able to have this serious conversation after having just seen Troy be tortured and then y'all are in a cell together cleaning off blood from his beard. Like this is just insane but it's also so Starfleet you know that in a way it kind of made sense to me. I I love your explanation. (laughs) It's so Star Trek. I actually was thinking this literally in, back in season two, and we haven't talked about Picard at all yet, but mm-hmm. there is literally a scene where he's like talking with the Watcher, with Laris, mm-hmm. um in, and what's her name, Talin? Talon, yeah. Talon. Where she's talking with Talon, like his deep secrets, and then yeah. like a Borg runs around the court and he's like, let's go! <laughs> <Yeah>. And I'm <laughs> exactly. like, this is very jarring. The plot is here. <laughs> we must run.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally,
1: totally. I do want to return to a point I talked about Riker saying he wanted to burn the world for Thad, or mm-hmm. like he would. He, I I should rephrase it. He wanted, he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, he, he villain origin story. <laughs> <laughs> um, that he wanted, or that he um he would burn the world to save Thad. Like essentially, he would do anything. But mm-hmm. I thought that phrasing was interesting because this reminds me of a TikTok I saw, and I'm so sorry to do this, um, <laughs> but it was essentially, like, children asking their parents, like, a compilation of, like, this is an experiment, sort of, like, asking their parents, would you kill for me? And <laughs> I know, Rihanna's face is like, what? Okay. Yeah, and <laughs> the parents are all like, uh, I don't know what to say, you know, like, no, you know, I, I wouldn't, like, all of them are saying no, and one, like, explains why, um, I wouldn't kill for you because, like, that is committing an act of violence. And, like, I don't have to prove that I would be violent in order to show that I love you so much. And I thought that was, I don't know, that has, like, stuck with me. And then when I, I completely forgot to bring this up during our, our discussion with Corey and Soon. But that is, I think, related because there's that scene when Soon is drunk at home um with Corey and when God, like yeah. when, when everything goes down as we've already talked about where soon as like I think why he's so messed up is like he realizes that he crossed this line like he told himself like Corey this is the last one I will do anything to protect her and he realizes just now like after he hit Picard that I would kill for this to happen. And so I think that's such an interesting threshold. And I was wondering that for Riker. Like it, he's not like soon. You know like he's definitely. Would not commit acts of evil. And has not for his children. But if he could. Like if there was a situation. Where he has to kill this guy to get Thad's cure. Would he do it? You know and we don't have to talk about it. But I, I just think it's an, an interesting thing. About parenting that is like so complicated. It's like would mm-hmm. it make you a, a murderer? You know like. <laughs> Dude, great, great points. Oh my god, I'm blown away. So I never thought of that. But it is interesting that Riker used that phraseology and oh, interesting thought experiment. I don't know if I want to go down that path. Like I don't either, but I just wanted to say like it reminded me yeah. of it. And you can all think at home about totally. that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so true. And I think, you know, while we're talking about moral quandaries, let's talk about Troy and her decision to use her Betazoid powers in order to dull Riker's pain. Her explanation is that she was attempting to help him carry it because she felt this grief that Riker was feeling so deeply. Riker's explanation is it made me dull to the pain, it made me numb to it, and my grief was the only thing left connecting me to Thaddeus. So... Let's talk. Let's debate a little bit about this. Ashlyn, how did you feel going into this scene, seeing it for the first time, second, third? You know, like, did your thoughts change over time? I'm not trying to say whose side are you on, because both of them have really good points, and I think it's kind of also the Picard-Bev discussion we're going to have later. It's so complicated. Yes. Thanks, Rihanna, for bringing this up. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to our family series, everyone. Oh. Did you miss this? <laughs> <laughs> the moral quandaries. <laughs> oh, the ethics. Oh, Lord. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, when I first saw this, I really loved this explanation of the delayed grief that Riker's having and why he's really only processing it now and... I think it really makes sense. Like one of the few like mental health explanations from the writers that I am really on board with, it just I should say, in the explanation of it. So now, yes. like getting into Troy and what she did, I think that this is a hundred percent in character for her. And it would definitely be what I would do as well. Because I am a person who is Like, I I would do something for everyone else and do something for me last if I had Mm. to, like, put it in order. I'm a a super Mm -hmm. people pleaser. And especially in situations of, like, trauma or someone I love is hurting, I will do anything for them at the, like, negative effect of my own health.
0: Mm. And that's
1: not great. And I think Troy is kind of in this situation, too, because she is she's extremely selfless and she because she's an empath like she can literally feel what everyone around her is feeling and she's such a like caring and wonderful person that she wants to help someone when they're in trouble if it's someone she loves she's gonna do anything to help Riker and so for her she like it's a triple burden she's feeling everyone's pain she's feeling Riker's pain she's feeling her own pain but maybe she doesn't want to deal with it so she deals with Riker's Either way, I think they should have had a conversation about this. And I think this is just the problem with so many fictional and I guess like real, real people is like, mm-hmm. there's just such a lack of communication for so long that things just get misinterpreted and like things that like they, they no longer have a solid foundation anymore. Like everything is crumbled away. They discover in the scene that they, neither of them wanted to live on Nepenthe, Oh, yeah. what, they've been living there for so long after that has mm-hmm. died, like, what What were they doing, like, what were they even talking about at the cabin if it wasn't like, wow, do you hate living here, me too, you know, like nothing, that's something yeah. with your SO you should be able to bring up, but, like, the emotions are so twisty, awful after losing yes. your son, I can't imagine trying to navigate it, so I'm, like you said, it's not it's not a team uh, you know, you're not choosing whose team you're on, but I mm-hmm. 100% understand what Troy did but she should have freaking asked him about it or Mm -hmm. um, maybe had a little more communication with him throughout that period well said yeah I think you brought up some really good points and one thing I do want to say too is that your partner should not be your therapist like period and this is just good advice for anyone in a relationship is that if you're feeling like the therapist role or feeling like you are doing too much therapy with your partner you need to sort of start adjusting and thinking about maybe seeing outside help or or talking to someone else about this stuff. I don't care if it's not a therapist, if it's your sister or your friends or whatever. It's so important to have other to have other people to lean on that's not just your partner because I think this is also what broke down their communication and what started to sort of crumble their relationship a little bit and I think, you know, they come from such a strong foundation with such a long history that they know that this isn't going to completely end them it's as It's not going to break them, yeah. They also still have Kestra, which has not been spoken of. Literally. Hashtag, where's Kestra? Even in this scene, Riker says her name once. once. And he's like, because they're, they're thinking they're about to die and Riker's like, Kestra will have lost everyone. And I'm like, wow, you just wow. said her name. <laughs> She's here. We remembered at least what her name is. <laughs> Good job, family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm still livid about this. I will never be over the fact that Kestra or Alexander were barely even discussed. A crumb. A crumb is what we got. Just wait till... Just wait. I have a whole thing about Alexander. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So anyway, my point being that Riker should be seeking outside help. Troy should be seeking outside help. And I think that this also is a testament to them f- fighting so hard for Thad them doing everything they could, move to a whole new planet, uproot their lives, and it still didn't work, and he still passed, and that devastation of being sort of left on this planet with the memories, with the grief, is so hard, and I think that it's also sort of isolated, and I hate to say it, and of course, like, no shade on John Luke. Okay, little shade on John Luke. Um, He was really needed during this time, and I'm not saying it's his destiny or duty in life to be riker and troy's support system because obviously they need more than one person who is their former captain and bff they obviously do but it doesn't seem like they have that from elsewhere and i think if i heard that my best friend's kid had passed i'd be like moving by them you know to be with them for months at a time especially if you were a retired admiral in starfleet that have nothing to do except sit on your damn vineyard Thank you. Yeah. So I think that we're just seeing a breakdown of communication of a lot of failures to understand like that we all, that they would all need a distance from this and not saying to distance yourself from that. I'm saying to distance yourself from like being your therapist for your partner and only having each other to rely on. Like even my partner and I have dealt with that because we met during the pandemic. And so we became very close, very quickly. We skipped a lot of steps. We like had... You know we're like going to each other's apartments very quickly into the relationship and um not even just because we're u haul lesbians we're truly not like actually <laughs> especially on the term of like actually we waited a year to move in together we but... do literally Rihanna and I have one of our best friends growing up she literally <laughs> met her <laughs> her partner and three days later they got married like yeah I, that's youha I'm lesbian. not kidding yeah <laughs> yeah so. I just say all of this because we've also discussed this, like we cannot be each other's everything, best friend, partner, therapist, um, everything. We, that has to be delegated out to other people and you have to have those other support systems. And I think this was just super lapping, lacking for the both of them. And they also had to think about Kestra and think about the life they were trying to build for her. And I, I, yeah, so this is just really dicey because, like you said, Troy absolutely should have asked, and they should have had a discussion about this. Hey, do you want me to numb your pain? Hey, what can <laughs> I do for you? Uh, <laughs> I'm a literal alien, how can I help? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so many ways that you could discuss this. I also just want to say, as a part of the Kestra erasure eraser discussion... Um, uh, okay, yeah, you both hate Nepenthe. I'm pretty sure she loves it, at least from what we saw. Um, I think it's her only connection left to Thad. And so the fact that they didn't even think about, and maybe they did, maybe it's an off-screen scene or a deleted scene or something that we can write fanfiction about and hope for the best, but it just seems like constantly... We're forgetting about Kestra and we're forgetting about her feelings and what it's like to lose a sibling, what it's like for her, and obviously they're everyone's dealing with their own stuff, and I get that, but a family is a unit, and so if she loves Nepenthe, y'all gotta stay there for a while, I'm sorry, but like, that's her connection to her sibling, I don't care if you hate it, that's what you do as a parent, you make those sacrifices, and so if she hates Nepenthe, great, y'all win, perfect, but It didn't seem like that to me and maybe she's just making the most out of a really tough situation Maybe it would be healthy for her to separate from those memories of him, but I don't think at this juncture i don't think so i'm Who gonna knows, though? i'm gonna try to mend your scars a little and yeah. say that that is a huge reason why they've stayed there for so long because yes it's obvious that kestra loves it she's the mm-hmm. wild girl of the woods yeah you know yeah, like totally. i always think of Riker yelling that like Riker's so precious, precious. um yeah. so of course Of course, of course. But now it's time for a change. And like Mm -hmm. sometimes when the parents have to move, the parents have to move. Sorry, child. You know, sometimes that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Rihanna, I was also, this is like a couple minutes ago, you made a great point for your partner not being your psychiatrist. And I think this also goes along with kind of what we were saying about Soon and Corey too, that Mm -hmm. it gets really complicated if you try to pack different types of relationships into one relationship. Because two people can't possibly be a best friend. And a lover, and a like mother, and a therapist, and a cousin. <laughs> like, hope yeah. yeah, well, yeah. not. <laughs> Maybe in some states. Maybe but. in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was so much shade. So Alabama. Alabama listeners, we love you. We <laughs> quit the pod. <laughs> I don't know if we have anyone from Alabama listening. <laughs> There's I'll be some honest. Queer women who live in Alabama. I think there's some pockets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who love the Duras sisters. So <laughs> much shade. I'm so sorry. I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> but but it's true. Like I mean, obviously there's some like healthy, like if you work together, or whatever. Yeah. Like everyone has different hats that they wear. But totally. it just it just gets extra complicated if you rely on one person for your emotional well being because mm-hmm. that person is not perfect either and. Uh, might you might get some accidental trauma from trying to help your partner so yep don't do that that's totally that's really rough therapy's important yeah 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 (laughs) don't listen to like when she's like this is the 80s i don't need therapy (laughs) (laughs) you do Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it's really easy to grow up with the idea thinking that your partner has to be everything, Mm -hmm. has to do everything for you and has to be a perfect match in every single way because that's just not true and you are a much healthier person if you have a lot of different people to rely on. So. Um, I'm with you about Picard really dropping the ball, and I just think it speaks to, in general, how broken everybody is. As soon mm-hmm. as they leave their starship they served on for seven years, yeah. like, they cannot function anymore. Like That's, show... like, totally Kirk-level Kirk brokenness. No, I'm like... telling you, like, I think this is the theme. It's, like, because we all love the nostalgia, so the writers are just, mm-hmm. like, it all sucks until they get back together. <laughs> <laughs> they do the same things over and over. For more seasons, more movies, like, just keep them going. Literally, like that's the entire plot of Endgame. I did bring Voyager uh-huh. back. You know, there it is. And uh, once yeah. everyone gets home, everyone's mm-hmm. miserable and they miss each other oh, and they just want to have a reunion again, uh, like maybe a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, okay, I- I'm listening. <laughs> no, totally, you're absolutely right. Mm. Wow, no oh, character gets though. off. Okay, even Jordy's yeah. kind of like jaded, which. Oof. Um, it's time to talk about data. <laughs> you thought we were going to say Jordy, didn't you? That's why we're keeping you on your toes. Um, data and Jordy. Let's be honest; they're kind of related anyway, as a yeah. family. So. Mm-hmm, totally. um, Data, you know, this is kind of a weird family moment to talk about, but we just have to mention because the Soons have been an absolute historic part of the family series to all of our chagrin. No one likes talking about this. the Soons. Why did we spend the entire Family Enterprise episode talking about the Soong and his no, augments? Like, and our villain episode. And our villain. No, like, <laughs> he, uh, Brent Spider just pops in where you don't think you need him. <laughs> and, <laughs> So, and still delivers an amazing performance. Oh, God, he's yeah. so amazing in season three. So, uh, I only want to talk about data because this new and enhanced ancient data that we have <laughs> is created by the Soon who created Doll and Sojin. <laughs> Doll! <laughs> That okay, would be but the biggest actually, twist. That's not okay, wrong. Prodigy. Though. That's not wrong because <laughs> this is where Prodigy soon, comes in. The <laughs> Sue did create, create doll. doll. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were the Sue that created, helped Bruce Maddox make Soji. <laughs> I don't think it was the same. No, it was s- not soon, at all. But it Run was timeline. someone named Soon. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. I forgot. I'm not joking. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, they, wait, wait. Doll and Dodge and Soji. <laughs> and Doja cat i'm so sorry hang on oh my fix opened downstairs wait 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 <laughs> wait 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 wait. <laughs> the years are not that far apart rihanna from prodigy and picard yeah hang on oh how old, okay how old do you think doll is like 13 yeah, f- 15 or 14 let's go with 14 i think gwen's like 15 prodigy so takes place in 2384 okay so when does picard season three take place picard's Picard season one takes place in 2399. So the prodigies before Picard season one. So Ooh. it could be the same. Could be the same soon. Because how. <laughs> it could be Bruce Maddox and soon. Oh, okay. I have to, I have oh to God, leave this now. Is so <laughs> okay. long. I'm going to have to yes. end the podcast early. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, got to go write this into my fic. <laughs> I, well, I got those dates because they're at the top of my fic. I had to have the date of Love like that. every single show anyway. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, but dopey. This is the family episode, so um, <laughs> this soon who worked with Bruce Maddox to create Soji and Dodge. Sorry, she's <laughs> trying so hard not to laugh, and I just made her laugh. I couldn't even look at Rihanna; it didn't even work. I'm still thinking about Doja Cat. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Doll, A Doll and Soji. Like, why was he like making these? like flesh-like androids and creating a bunch of like hybrid aliens in the delta quadrant okay is anyway yeah. um, oh, wow maybe as a, a twin evil brother or a twin nice oh, brother i could see that yeah. anyway okay so he after the whole thing was season one soon is still alive and kicking on this like planet with all the androids so he just kept working and he was mad because picard kind of took his golem you know that he was definitely saving for himself and um, instead, he used Dea's body. It's like it's like another golem, mm, but they yeah. shoved all of the personalities, like a little bit from uh, before, a little bit from Lol, which is like a great callback that great, I've been waiting. <laughs> I mean, it must just be her. Like, Rihanna, you are ruining. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest thing. No, Spring is a fantastic episode. I'm sorry, you're not really ruining it, but it must just be like her code or something, it must or be, that yeah. like she throws like data throws a ball (laughs) in a weird way you know (laughs) delayed (laughs) yeah delayed throw he's trouble catching um a bit of cool little he's like twitching (laughs) and he just like throws the ball um but yeah so a little bit of them a little bit of lore for sure like a lot of lore and then Mm -hmm. as soon says and a whole bunch of data or something like that (laughs) we all love data yeah put him in there it's like remember (laughs) the special it's tng guys (laughs) so we have the entire like couple episodes after this are data fighting with lore about like control for dominance over his body Mm -hmm. um and data wins yay um but he wins by like giving lore all of his best traits so actually they all win That was cheesy, but... (laughs) Aww. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. For that sympathy, aw. (laughs) (laughs) It was a pity, aw. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting, though, and I think, like, it's a pretty great way to do Data if you're going to bring him back yet again. Picard's like, this is hard. I already watched him die twice, (laughs) and I'm like, that's how the Death Fake Out series feels. (laughs) Like, it's truly just not never-ending, and so... I do like the way they did it, though. That it's not really Data; it's everyone in his family. <laughs> I will say that mm-hmm. I feel, and I'm so sorry. I always throw so shade to Terry, but I ha- I do have some issues with the season. I just feel like Terry like read the Cliff Notes versions of Picard seasons one and two, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "All right, now let's just make season mm-hmm. three like without a lot of like knowledge about what's going on." Because yeah, it's redundant to have like so many death scenes for Data in a three season show you know yeah like it just like cheapens the way that they did his death scene in season one in my opinion yeah it 100% does with blue skies and me sobbing and Picard wearing his TNG uniform oh Oh. don't even I'm gonna cry yeah yeah yes so anyway i just thought we yeah. have feelings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell so now because data has no family we're going to talk about his real family which is geordie if you want to cry just go watch any scenes of data Jordy together even when they're just like laughing and data's like i hope we die quickly like i cry yeah. at that scene too No, literally yeah. and i cry when geordie cries like it's just the cascade effect so. lavar burton again like powerhouse acting moment when he's yes. like talking to data through the oh through the through the window oh it's giving like gets me every Kirk time like what is happening through the windows why are they always talking where they can't reach each other Oof. Oh,
0: lift me yeah. where suffering
1: cannot reach <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> why
1: do you have to bring that episode
0: into our family series i just Picard? i just have
1: to say random star trek episodes that matt that sure. makes sense yeah, absolutely. Um, you said threshold earlier. And it was very distracting. Like, lizards just, like, appeared in my brain, and I was like, ah! I <laughs> so actually, thanks. I make it my goal personally, one per fic to use the word threshold for that reason. <laughs> even if it's, like, a Kirk and Spock fic. I was going to oh, say, do you do it in non-Star Trek yeah. fics? Yeah. Well, I've never written a non-Star Trek fic. <laughs> well, not never, but not recently. Yeah, yeah, true. Okay. I was like, I remember some. <laughs> but anyway. I, I didn't even know about threshold podcast. back then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Now let's talk about Jordy and his LaForge family. This is amazing. We finally are learning. Of course, we're introduced to Sydney in the very beginning of the season, um, where she is the pilot of the Titan, which is just epic, like completely amazing. And then later on, we meet Alondra, who is presumably older. She looks older. Gives older sister vibes. I don't know. (laughs) What did you think, Ashlyn? She was definitely like following his track like she was an engineer Mm -hmm. she was the one she she has a close relationship with him she worked with him on the the museum thing (laughs) Yeah, i love the museum thing
0: (laughs) i the
1: fleet museum yeah i guess she was giving older daughter vibes for sure yeah so we don't know we never learned who jordy's uh partner is he says tell mom we won't be home for dinner (laughs) so she's alive that's great yeah Hey yeah, <laughs> sorry, but a lot of wives and just mothers or just parental figures do not There's have a good track a record. lot of, of single lives, parents so. in Star Trek, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very happy to hear this. Um, and it's fine if we don't know who she is. I just would love a name to give her, sort of nameless woman. Um, yes. but I mean, it's not Leah Brahms, but it could be. Yeah, thank God. I just oh, hope that God. that's not the name, but we don't know. Could you imagine if he was like, "Tell Leah we'll be late for dinner"? I would have thrown my phone at the TV like. Ugh. No. Anyway, that didn't happen. So yay. This is really interesting, because I think we learn a lot about Jordy and about how he's grown. And also sort of how I think parenthood also makes you more cautious and makes you more tentative in some respects. And I think that's totally healthy and normal. And we see it with Riker, the way he's sort of treating Picard and Jack this entire time. Um, he's like, kind of being really tentative as a captain and Picard's like what is going on like what are you doing you need to strike first you need to be doing this stuff and it's mostly because he's projecting like I was talking about earlier the sort of projecting of a family member onto someone else like Rafi um Picard is doing this with Thad and Jack you know and sort of also showing Picard hey like you need to have this relationship with your son and we don't want this to end before it even begins kind of thing. And Jordy as well as having this kind of relationship um, or these kind of feelings where he says like, I'm truly not gonna help you guys. Sydney, come on, let's go. Come on, Alondra, let's go. And Sydney's like, no, I'm staying with my crew, my family. And he's like, but we're your family too, you know? And so I think there is this uh, kind of disconnect in the beginning of like, trying to choose blood family over crew family and instead you know of course Jordy then realizes oh I just need to help them and turns out she'll be safer if we're all working together um but he's like really pretty frustrated with the whole situation which again I understand I totally do but it's really interesting to see that these these figures who were so gung ho and ready to just like do whatever it took to save the day are now really thinking about their their consequences thinking about their kin their Their children, their fictive kin, you might say. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yes, Rihanna. Thank you. This is also reminding me how happy I am that we get so much time with Sydney before Jordy even comes on. I mean, he doesn't appear till Bounty, which I believe is episode six. It's like it's halfway through the season. That we finally get Jordy, And so, because we've seen her for so many episodes, we don't know that there's this strife going on between her and Jordy. In fact, she talks about him all the time. She can't shut up about Jordy. She keeps saying, like, my father did this, my father did that. Because she admires him so much. And I think also it's for the audience, you know, like, throwing these Jordy references to get us pumped up. Yeah. But there's a scene where... She goes to visit Sydney. Goes to visit Seven when Seven has been like mm-hmm. sent to her room, <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> like yeah. taken off duty because she helped Picard and Riker go into non-federation space, uh, completely mm-hmm. against Shaw's orders. And Sydney goes and basically says like Hey, I hope you're okay. Um, and what you did, like my dad would a hundred percent do what you did because you have loyalty to your friends, which I think is crazy because literally when we end up seeing Jordy, he does not do this initially because he's all about trying to protect his daughters. Um, Good point. And so, but also because she's reaching out to seven, I really see that as Sydney trying to form her found family where she's kind of running away from her dad and she's not feeling love and accepted by this family. And so she's trying to, find this in starfleet like literally all of our characters do um mm-hmm. so i just want to point this out like she calls her set like commander seven like calling her by the name that she prefers that seven prefers Love that showing that she like really respects her and i think sees her as a mother or as like her dad you know um totally, totally. so i just want to point this out and just like just to lead to the to the fact that there's so much found family in here. Like, I do want to talk about that before we go on to um, Picard, too. The main event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for saying all that. And I think it is interesting that it looks like Jordy and Sydney have just not had a chance to talk about their feelings about her choosing a pilot career over engineering. Because she says that when she chose piloting, he took it as rejecting her and we don't know if that's true on Jordy's side we know that's how she feels you know and so i just think it's crazy that they haven't talked about this and so good that they're finally sort of airing out this, this kind of old maybe resentment almost that the both of them carry and she literally at one point says why do you think i was crashing all those speeders so that we could fix them together you know that's really truly where her like you said she's talking about Jordy all the time she clearly loves him so much and they have a good bond. I think it's just they had this miscommunication of like desires and maybe it was maybe it was Geordie kind of projecting on her, wanting her to just truly follow in his footsteps, do everything he did, do it the Starfleet way, you know, and she kinda wants to be she's got the pilot spirit. We've seen it with all these pilots, you know. They have sort of almost fly to their own drum. What <laughs> that's not the, that's mixing metaphors, but you know what I mean. It works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that a little bit here when he's talking about like i need you to be thinking about us and i need you to be choosing us over your crew i think he's employing the guilt of family a little bit and that's not fair to her because family can be both crew and blood and geordie should absolutely know that having literally like had his a lot of his formula the years on the enterprise with his crew family and i think it is truly from that father and just like or from that parental um need to protect over, above all else. I mean he even does that weird line where he's like, Stay away from my daughter to Jack and I'm like, Alright, that's such a cliche, but whatever. Um, and I think it really is what she really wants is for Geordie to tell her that she's that he's proud. And they did. And it was amazing, you know, like they had this nice little sort of makeup scene where they were able to talk more about it and understand each other more. And that's important first step for them. Yeah, and you know, this wash through and this is only the second time I've seen these episodes since it, I mean it was recently came out you know a couple months ago um I yeah so this time I was feeling like I really could understand how this communication how this miscommunication happened because I think Rihanna and I are definitely going through you know your, your relationship with your parents changes over time because it has to in order to that's, you grow up and you, your relationship with your parents change over time. And I think it's been really interesting to, you know, I'm, I'm 27, still 27. Um, (laughs) I, and I've been like, I'm freaking out a little bit because my like high school graduation will be like, I graduated from high school nine years ago. It'll be 10 next year. Um, that seems crazy. crazy to me but that means also it's been nine years almost 10 since i've lived with my parents and Mm -hmm. there was such a known relationship like you know how to communicate with them but since then like i've lived in like four different states and um Mm -hmm. you know the way that you communicate completely changes and we're lucky to have FaceTime and like have technology to keep us close but that doesn't make it doesn't make the like Communicating itself any easier. You have to put in the work. You have to be willing to be flexible with how those changes happen with both Mm -hmm. with with the parents and the and the child. So I really was. I found myself empathizing with both Jordy and Sydney because it's they once they talk about it, it's such an easy fix, and they understand each other so quickly. But I think they're so alike, and they're they're not prone to discussing their feelings, Um, and obviously they're not seeing a lot of each other. So. You know, when you don't make that effort to communicate, things start to slip through the cracks. So, um, I yeah, I really related with them, and I'm so glad that it didn't take Jordy very long to to jump on the train. We all knew he had to help. It would have been such a like let without such a letdown. Yeah. yeah, if it's like the whole crew except Jordy's like, I will stop you at any cost. You know, like that just doesn't right. make any sense. So yeah, um, I'm glad Jordy got on board in the end. Totally, and I like that Alondra is kind of there to be a sounding board. But also kind of doing that work, that caregiving work that we were talking about with Corey. Not super fair to her for to have to be the go between between Sydney and Jordy, but it seems like now that we're pairing it, maybe she can take a step back and be her own self. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking at first yeah. this is very older daughter, but also I'm kind of thinking younger daughter like sucking up to dad a little bit. <laughs> a little bit yeah. <laughs> Just like, uh, I'm the perfect uh, child. I'll do whatever yeah, parents say. In and then Sydney's yeah. the old rebellious one. I don't know. I could see it going either way. Um, <laughs> totally agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now it's time. Okay, first. Okay, okay. First, first, first. Um, I do want to do a little shout out moment to Seven of Nine because yes. um, obviously there's no family, like strictly. It's not like she actually sees mm-hmm. her aunt um, in, yeah. in this series. But... We get a beautiful heart-stopping moment (laughs) when they're looking at all the ships and we see the Enterprise A and Jack and her are talking, Jack and Seven are talking about all the ships. And we see Voyager and oh god I'm gonna cry, um, she, because Jack's like, oh I don't know that ship, but she's a beauty, and she's like, that's the USS Voyager, I was reborn there. Jack, you know, after she kind of briefly explains her situation, Jack says, you found your family there, and then now you're trying to find another. Like, I really... Mm. and, And they really connect with that. But I really think, like, that one line does a great job explaining what Seven has been going through the entirety of Picard. It's like we talked about, once you leave your favorite ship, it's just really hard. <laughs> it's hard to
0: the <laughs>
1: yes. Which is why I'm calling for a Voyager reunion immediately. So, and not. Exactly. I did have to watch the Tuvok scene also. It's like completely oh, unrelated yeah. to family, but it's just such an amazing it's scene. So I had to rewatch yeah. it again. So I just want to do a little shout out to um, Seven... surviving off of her found family and I'm crying because I hope she's okay and I hope she talks to Janeway soon. (laughs) Same. I hope that they have like regular calm calls or something. Uh, Yeah, Um, they can't get a hold of Janeway in this season. They they say that about 10 times. uh, Yeah. I think too, another great moment is with, you were talking about Seven and Sydney, I think also in the end when Seven essentially just like forgives her for being assimilated of course because it wasn't Sydney's fault and she knows exactly what this feels like and she just hugs her you know and I think it's amazing to see Seven sort of in this pseudo mother role for this moment and just being this like guide for Sydney in a time of like true darkness you know just coming out of being assimilated and yeah what a wonderful bonding moment Yes, thank you, Rihanna. Oof, I just think it it sets the stage really well for Seven, like ending up as the captain because she has formed these strong bonds with everybody as her time being a commander. So, yeah, exactly, it's perfect. Okay, okay, now, now it's time. (laughs) Let's discuss Picard. Yeah, this is the main event. So we're gonna. (laughs) There's a lot um to talk <laughs> to talk about and it's gonna get dark i mean we've talked about everything that happens in season two quite a bit on this podcast but we haven't done it from a family perspective so mm-hmm. here we go just brace yourselves everybody yeah, true um, warnings obviously we're going to be talking about uh, someone unaliving themselves we're going to be talking about some very complicated family relationships so just take care of yourself if you need a glass of water go take a break We're here, you know.
0: Pick up whatever. Ash and I will not take a break. We took one earlier, so we're right into it. No breaks. (laughs) Oh Lord. Okay, Okay, so
1: let's go back to season two. The, the whole point of season two is Picard having a therapy session um, yes. <laughs> that Q, Q is the therapist for him and Renee Picard. We're going to throw in mm-hmm. a little bit of Renee in this too, obviously, because, yeah. you know, we talked about ancestors of our favorite characters on different yeah. series. So we have to not exclude yeah. Renee Picard. She's yeah, still family the, like, <laughs> vibes. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> I think
1: that episode is called Eleven. 11- 59? 59. Yes, yeah. nice. Oh, yeah. Yes, dude. It's a Voyager episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you can <even> tell. <laughs> My Ashlyn's passion. <laughs> uh, really, just, wow. Iconic, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, here so we two go. Of one is sort of where we really get into, of course, there's flashbacks in the beginning of this season. We hear Le Vien Rose. We hear, like, sort of, the, no, I'm so sorry. We hear Je Ne Regatta Rien, uh, which is the French song that uh-huh. he ties to his mother. Yeah. <laughs> Edith Piaf, genius, legend, love her. Um, so we're seeing, you know, kind of mild flashbacks, the especially the image of, like, the rose stained glass kind of stuff. So Picard has been thinking, seemingly, his his mind is on his mother a lot. And Q picks up on this and says, okay, therapy time, let's go back. And <laughs> so they're back in 2024, um, and Picard is so in two of one you know they're at the gala and we'll talk about renee right now (laughs) so let's do it um, he meets his ancestor renee picard and pretty much distracts her and provides therapy at the same time because she's considering quitting the mission which would be catastrophic which is essentially what would make the world nazi um (laughs) so so she's got to go up in space and um she kind of throws in some shade. She says, you're old for a security guard, which is a hilarious Yeah, line. really shady. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, you know, sort of equates what he's been thinking about a lot with his mother to this moment. And saying, like, I knew someone, too, who, who too, looked at the stars and who, too, struggled, you know. And so she's seeing Renee literally going through, like, a panic attack moment. And so he is trying to sort of talk her down and also provide context you know for himself and for her and i think it's a beautiful scene like picard of course is amazing with speeches and amazing with weaving words in a way that will comfort people and he says at one point fear is fear you know it's it's not this big monster that's lurking in the shadows it just is kind of thing and so i just love this i love this scene i love that she's able to sort of get some solace from picard and everyone needs a good picard Pep up speech sometimes I was just going to also add that like he also he says like trust that light in yourself you know and he says understanding that he knows the fear of going into space for the first time acutely like absolutely relates to her in this aspect and so I think that was also really helpful for her glad that you reminded us about that quote like fear is fear Mm -hmm. um because that's just something to remember in all (laughs) all walks of life fear (laughs) is there to make you afraid for a reason but you Mm -hmm. are smart and you know the risks Mm -hmm. and you know what the best thing to do is and obviously she's being like manipulated by q which is like lowering her self-esteem I love too what he says to her about sometimes those who shine the brightest suffer the sting of melancholy because mm. it means that you're smart enough to understand what the world is and yeah. understand like how dangerous this mission is or how like messed up everything is mm-hmm. and so you 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 suffer without help once again yeah uh, okay we got a lot to talk yes. about but <laughs> totally um, uh, I also I remember the first time watching this scene be I was so excited because I knew if there was anyone in all of Star Trek who could cheer up a sad astronaut it was Picard (laughs) (laughs) he is someone who I would choose as my number one like okay you need to make a good speech throw Picard in there no matter the situation he's like Lin-Manuel Miranda of Mm -hmm. like you can improv a a beat right (laughs) now and like rap for me and Picard's like so on the first day I was very sad you know yeah it's to the truth, truth. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got a speech yeah. for every moment and so i i just was so happy that he completely delivers in this scene and he's yes. able to make light not i mean not really not make light but i mean like lighten yeah. her burden a little bit and be mm-hmm. like like level set i guess is a good way yes. yeah he level sets for her and he's like yo it's gonna be fine you're really smart and you were meant for this mission because you worked for it so totally do it you know it's just a great little pump up yeah absolutely and then he gets hit by a car (laughs) and then goes into a coma saving Renee so epic amazing family saving your ancestor moment and Um, now it's a fixed point (laughs) (laughs) anyone who comes back to change times gonna have to make sure Picard gets hit Um, (laughs) to to save (laughs) save Renee Renee this is why I can't wait to do our time travel series on season 2 because we're gonna absolutely rip it up anyway yeah yeah. Yeah, so now we're, let's talk about monsters and coma therapy. Um, this is another wild, wild episode, essentially taking place in Picard's brain, where we think that he is getting a mandated Starfleet therapy after all the trauma. But instead, it's his father in his like coma-induced state. He thinks of his father giving him therapy. What does this say about his relationship with his dad? Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> yikes <laughs> okay so yeah. i could not help but think back to the tng episode family um mm. because this is when he rolls around with his brother renee yes. picard another renee yes. with one mm-hmm. less n um yeah. wait no renee's the i'm so sorry renee's the, the son sun. this yeah. is like, like robert, robert robert nice robert yeah, yeah robert. okay because Daddy Picard is kind of famous between John Luke and Robert. Like all they talk about in the, in that episode is like we have to follow the standards, at least like Robert's all about like, following everything that father did. And John Luke is like, bye, I'm peacing out. I'm like, screw you all, <laughs> you know? Um, and now we're understanding, it's because his mother died young by unaliving herself and Picard blames it on himself. And, and so I, I was just like kind of shocked watching this therapy scene because Picard number one, like doesn't recognize him, which I guess, I, I, I don't know. I know Picard has blocked out like a huge chunk of his life, be- like his growing years because of everything that happened with his mother. So I can kind of understand it. But it's also just crazy to me because Daddy Picard's I'm sorry to keep calling him Daddy Picard. I just...
0: <laughs>
1: Maurice, Maurice. Maurice, yeah. <laughs> it, it just seemed like he had such a dominating presence in the Picard household that it was enough for both of his sons to really fear him. And mm-hmm. that's not the Maurice that I see Yeah. But it it also just says that the eyes of a child can be completely misleading to what reality actually is. Like Picard saw him as a, a John Luke, I should say, John Luke saw him as a monster. This episode seven of season two is called Monster and it's primarily featuring like the dad, like Maurice's relationship with his mom and Mm -hmm. everything. And he was the monster that kept her like hidden away. away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the most poignant moment or understanding of this actually comes in the episode hide and seek where um he sees that place where he got trapped again but he sees it from an adult perspective and exactly what you're talking about ashlyn makes me think of when you go to a place that used to be super scary when you were a kid and you're like oh i was just scared of the dark or oh like This like radiator made a weird noise and that scared me. But now I just know it's a radiator, you know, or I have more context and more lived experience to understand. Or you're taller, you're bigger, you're like not everything is like looming over you anymore as a child. It's like Riker when in season three, when he steps on the bridge of the restored enterprise, he's like, Is this smaller or am I just bigger? (laughs) Exactly, such a good moment and it it does show the passage of time and so yeah I'm glad you brought that up because it made me think of that as well like that place that scared him so much and of course it's going to bring back bad memories but it also gives him more context to like face it you know that he couldn't have done when he was a kid um yeah and so John Luke tells the story to coma daddy therapy um, that essentially... CDT! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, essentially, like, a, a story that um, brings him comfort, I think, even in hard times, you know? And he's he, I think, relies on his mother's stories a lot, even when she was uh, alive. He, we see a flashback even that Maurice is, like, you need to sort of stop telling him all of these stories, he's living in a fantasy world. I'm not, this is not verbatim, but I think he does say like he needs to be more present. And I think that like Yvette, his mom, truly functioned on not being present and on on focusing on fictional stories and on like the outer, like the fantastic world of the stars and of knights and kings and queens and stuff and the stories she would tell Jean-Luc that it very much has been sort of rubbing off on Jean-Luc. In, in that way. And I think, you know, that's why he ran away to the stars after she passed. So, I think, like, it is interesting, too, that it seems as though the relationship between Yvette and Maurice is a little bit strained, at least from the perspective of the child. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously <laughs> oh later God. on, when she gets locked in her room, but I think even before this, when she calls him a curmudgeon and stuff, it seems playful enough, but it's coming from this place of hurt from the both of them because Maurice is feeling like you can't just keep letting him live in this fantasy world and she's like it's the only way I can like keep him sort of I think it's even more extreme than that because in one of the first episodes like I think in this in the story um that Picard is telling like oh there was a queen and I was the prince I mean he doesn't say that but he's telling he's talking about this queen and in the flashback there's some like discourse between them where Picard says I don't want to be like him you know, like they're they're talking mm. about attributes that Picard hasn't or that John Luke has inherited from his parents, because I think she says like you're like your father, you're so so and so. I can't remember what yeah. the example was, but he Picard, like John Luke, is annoyed at that, and he's like, I don't want to be like him. I want to be like you. Yeah. And then she gets like all inward and introspective, and she's like, yeah. oh, like mm-hmm. no, you don't. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I I think Picard doesn't like has already doesn't have respect for his father or is already like dismissing him because of things that like probably little comments that his mom has made like there's Mm -hmm. there's a deep issue going on that is not being discussed between the parents absolutely absolutely um and even um coma therapy dad says at one point you build such walls around your wounds you know and and this is probably exactly what yvette did and i think that john luke sees that within himself and that's why sort of this like illusion he's created in his mind is telling him this you know And, and it said and the dad says at one point we better essentially get you out of starfleet lest you take your crew on a suicide mission just to feel something you know and this just like is so deep for him to think about himself this way you know and but projecting it as his father slash therapist it's really just fascinating and i think like to to think of that he's sort of manifesting his father as these sort of resentful parts of him or parts he doesn't like about himself being thrown into his face i mean even the vision of his father resents starfleet and seems to dislike starfleet in general and that's you know a part of picard that resented starfleet maybe after the Romulan reclamation thing you know there's so many things that we could attribute it to but I just find all this really interesting the way that they did these scenes because even though they're hard to watch and they're really interesting to show like where John Luke is stuck of course physically and metaphorically which is a theme that comes up a lot when Talon is trying to like get him out (laughs) essentially get him unstuck and at one point even he says to his dad to the illusion of his dad as an adult you were relentless father your cruelty you broke her you know which is what he sort of sees is the eyes of a child but he can't see that she was already feeling so deeply and so she was already in this such distraught place that her father certainly didn't help but he certainly couldn't do much else yeah you're exactly right rihanna beautiful a little unrelated but i just i guess just to light the mood for a second why is Daddy Picard, why is CDT wearing <laughs> a Voyager era uh combat? Yeah. That's why everyone <laughs> thought he was Bashir. Like <laughs> it's it's DS9 Voyager era combat. Yeah. <laughs> I was confused. And by that. I know <laughs> that the combat should not look like that when his dad was in Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know either maybe it was the era in his life when he was like trying to heal from the borg trauma and wasn't or something or trying to uh, who knows i don't i don't know but it cracked me up yeah and i i yeah. still wish that that it was bashir doing the therapy but i understand like for <laughs> yeah. for family reasons it's good to have his dad <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. oh
1: man okay rihanna i think this is a good time to talk about which We have briefly discussed in other episodes because the season is like woof. there's so much going on here but i think just in general like i want to just touch briefly on how they're handling this whole plot line it's it's not done well it's no it's feeling very victorian era like lock her (sighs) away because she's mad type thing yeah and and this is supposed to be in the future like this is after kirk was born like come on guys uh this is wild like Why is this, why is her depression and disassociation and, like, everything being handled so terribly? And Mm -hmm. especially the fact that he's a therapist makes it even worse. I don't think he is in real life. You don't think so? No, I think it was just for the, like, trickery of Picard's brain. So he, was, he just made wine. He was a wine man. I think so. <laughs> okay. Or, I'll... oh, he said my, no, no, that was Jay. Never mind. Jay makes our... art. <laughs> I'm getting all of these husbands confused. It's funny that we recorded this about a week after Father's Day, and this is not a good look <laughs> oh, yeah, for sorry. fathers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I <breaker>,
0: sort
1: of. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. We, <laughs> we didn't even talk about Wharf yet, but we will. Don't worry. I still have some yeah. things to say about Wharf. But so. Yeah, I don't know. This whole thing's not a good look, and uh, I wish it was handled better. And mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think the thing that I gain from watching Picard's relationship with his mom and his dad, especially his mom, is that the reason he has blocked out all of his childhood, of course, seeing his mom like dead after what she did Mm -hmm. completely traumatic i understand you know block that out for sure but i think the the emotions that remained as a result of what she did this permanent action that she took is that picard thinks it's his fault Mm -hmm. and he because he unlocked the door that like his mother was trapped in from Mm -hmm. his father and he let her loose which he thought that meant saving her Like, oh, I'm trapped. The monster's trying to take me, which he viewed his father Mm -hmm. as this monster. So he thought he did something good and he ended up doing something terrible. But not really. That's just his perspective. And so I think this does explain, like, as, as, as much as I have a complete problem with how they handled like it's not a sensitive way to handle this it's not like an accurate way to handle this between the mother and father or with the writers even but i do think it makes sense for why john luke keeps everyone at arm's length which is Mm -hmm. addressed in his therapy session um and why he prefers to look at the world from an outsider perspective like Mm. he will save people en masse but he's not gonna go down to the planet and like self-sacrifice yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he totally. he's very hands-off, even though he's incredibly hands-on, like, secretly. Yes. And so I, I think mm. this, this says a lot about him. And so despite everything, I think this is a good reason. For, like, we obviously, like, season two created the reason why Picard has all these issues, and I am not mad about it mm-hmm. in this sense, if that makes any sense. <laughs> totally does, Ashlyn. I think there's just a lot of loose ends they didn't tie up about, like, how did john luke and his father sort of go on from this how did he handle it it seems like his father never disputed the fact that i don't i don't think they talked about it ever no no and i think there Robert was there was like what a baby like we don't know if he <laughs> no was from another no so, he was aborting no 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 no. what the heck yeah what, sorry <laughs> sorry i'm sorry to get defensive <laughs> my like superiority comes out yeah, i'm so sorry <laughs> fine, <you're> fine. <laughs> <laughs> i have to rein it in <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Renee was at boarding school. Or oh, not Renee, I'm oh, so boarding sorry. Boarding school, yeah. Yeah, Robert was at boarding Forgot school during this because he's older. Right. Yes. Okay, yeah. It's a Mycroft Sherlock situation. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! (laughs) Just because they're British, stop it right now. (laughs) They're French, technically, (laughs) supposedly. They lived in the UK for a long time, and that's how they stopped talking about their emotions. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) sorry. Is that racist, too? I'm so (laughs) sorry. We're just being out of pocket today. We're being terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I also think the way that they sort of handled... Yvette as a character was kind of weird, because I see a lot of emotional manipulation going on with her and Jean-Luc. They play hide-and-seek for a bit, and Yvette says, let's go down below. Let's go to the basement, make it harder for you. And he's like, I don't want to, that's scary down there, it's dark. And she says, I won't be sad if we do this like that is so manipulative and I think that she's probably been doing this for a while it seems because he just folds and goes because he knows that she is sad a lot and he knows that he supposedly brings her out of that sometimes and so yet again we're seeing a very young caregiver trying to sort of go through a world that is really cloudy with how like what the roles are for parent and child and it's just really hard to watch, you know, the, this hide-and-seek uh, episode because she says those kind of things. He, even he says, oh, well, father says we shouldn't go down there. Like, it's dangerous. There's a thousand ways to die down there, which a creepy thing to say to your child, but okay. <laughs> um, and I think that, like, her sort of saying, oh, I, I don't care. Let's go type thing also then, like, negates sort of Maurice's, uh, you know, like, parental authority, and sort of just skirts whatever he said to him, you know, and and it's just it's just so multi-layered in all these ways that feel really icky to me and of course how it's handled with her death and everything. so i think that john luke is always trying to cheer her up and to be the parent and to make her feel better and that's not his job but he made it his job and then he continued to make it his job for the rest of his life for all of being a captain, being a leader, being a caretaker, but, like you said, at arm's length, never truly wanting to start a family. Um, and she literally says at one point, only you can save me. Like, that's insane pressure to put on a child who's probably, what, 10, 12, 14? Yeah, he's 14, young. He's young. Something like that. Yeah. Um, And the whole thing with the key and everything that like he's finally learning, you know, okay – I can't change my destiny. I'm going to put this key right back where I found it. So the future will continue as is, even if it's a horrible future for me or a horrible thing I've already experienced type thing. Um, I just feel like these parents need to be communicating on how to handle a parent with mental health issues better. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think it's, uh, I think it's healthy to convey to your child like oh i'm having a hard day and this is how i'm dealing with it you know like you shouldn't pretend to be perfect all the time because how will they learn to deal with their own stuff but Mm -hmm. also you can't start expecting them to cheer you up or like you can't like have it go overboard to the point where like they have to grow up too fast to try to Mm -hmm. help you or get through your own emotional problems which is what's happening and i i think also like what what hurts me about seeing these flashbacks like as much as picard admires his mom i really don't like Mm -hmm. because she says things that are really Unsettling. Like, she mm-hmm. talks a lot in the third person, like, I hope you remember me this way. Like, mm-hmm. you can already tell she's making plans and has thought about, like, creating yes. this, this permanent solution of unaliving herself at some point. Like, mm-hmm. the way she talks about it is like it's inevitable. She has a line where she says whether, like, they're talking about, she's talking about how stars are really just echoes of things that were once really bright and have now died because it takes so long for light to travel to Earth by the time we're seeing the light. The star is already thousands of years old, like could be dead. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, that's like me, you know, something that's Mm -hmm. past its prime that the light has already burnt out first of all, you know, self-deprecating, very sad, but also to say to your son is like, ouch. And then she goes on to say, whether you know me for years or just for moments, I want you to remember me as a bright light. And like that Mm. kind of thing is really like unsettling, you know, like when your mom is constantly saying, I hope in your memory you think of me this way and I'm not going to be around for that long. Like that's, that's not good. Yes. (laughs) That's that's bad. And that Maurice didn't, intervene sooner like maybe I mean I know not like restricting their access would not help either of them either but like maybe trying to be more like oh can I play with you guys can I you know like try to maybe become more of a presence in John Luke's life because if he's hearing that stuff all the time maybe Maurice can be like oh okay we need to like adjust how you guys play or we need to you know I get mean, her help get her out of this yeah. house i think what they like the only explanation they had is that like she was unwilling and like not ever ready to get help but and you know you can't like you can yeah, bring yeah. a horse to water but you can't have them drink or whatever sure. but i still feel like that's such a weak excuse you know like there are other ways to have interventions mental health interventions and stuff it, it's so hard it's very tricky <laughs> i also noticed that when so Okay, I'll say this, and then I have a question for you, Rihanna. Mm -hmm. I noticed that when they're playing hide-and-seek above ground, she then says as a kind of excuse, like, we need somewhere where you're you can't rely so much on your senses to draw from cleverness is yeah because she's trying to pump them up saying like you're so smart you're so clever you found me Mm -hmm. playing hide and seek and so she uses this as like a precursor to go downstairs like an excuse like oh it's because i'm training you or i'm making you better which i thought is like not good um and then also i'm wondering because hide literally the episode's called hide and seek um because and that's the game they play all the time what do you think is the significance or is there a significance to why hide and seek why is she so obsessed with that i think because she wants to be found so desperately and like she did say this that like when oh you found me uh or oh like you did it i'm here but like you didn't find me or something like that like again blaming this child she says you're the light that always guides me out just pressure yeah pressure absolutely and so i think it's always like her sort of seeking herself or wanting to be something she's not. I don't really know. I mean, I think the significance, you know, like it's multi layered for sure because they're doing this whole boar guide and seek thing going on, the chateau in our time and then in Picard's memory. Um, but I, yeah, it's a really interesting question. What do you think? I honestly don't know. I was thinking of this for myself. Like, I, I have definitely struggled with depression before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think like, hide and seek, hide and seek, like, you know, what, what does that have to do with it? We do hide when when we are feeling, like, we isolate ourselves. We tend to, at least. I don't want to use the we proverbial, but, like, yeah. at least when I am in a depression spell, I usually just, like, hide away and don't want to talk to anyone, and that, of course, makes it worse. And so maybe that's sort of her way of, like, I, I don't know. I think you probably put the nail on the head that she wants to be found, and that's the point mm-hmm. of hide and seek is you go hide for a reason because you want yeah. to go be found. Yeah, yeah yikes cool all right should we move on yep okay can we go to season three okay (laughs) it's time it's time okay rihanna i think we need to talk about the elephant in the room huh the hair (laughs) the hair when did it go (laughs) oh man enjoy it while it lasts (laughs) (laughs) jack crusher's my age and i hate that he looks like he's in his 30s the actor's like 40 <laughs> yeah when, when picardo's like you're what like 23 24 and i was like nope, 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 nope. <laughs> but hey i'm gonna be 25 in july so i'll be Aww. older than jack crusher <laughs> i remember being 25 <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay so let's talk about jack he is the son of Beverly <laughs> Picard. Everyone called it when they saw Hot Man on the poster.
0: <laughs> Except
1: Rihanna. Except I mean, me if you Mom, listen yeah. to our Picard explosion, I was the only one who true. thought. That's true. About you the secret were, sun. You were on the nose. <laughs> about the secret sun. It's because the writers can't resist a secret sun. <laughs> <laughs> love a good love child. <laughs> Not only in Star Trek, but especially in Star Trek too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the most terrifying line of this is when Riker goes, Oh, I saw you cooking way before (laughs) you were born. I was like, did you not say that? Like, he's a little experiment. Like, Jack just asked him not to say it like that. Okay. Wow. I have completely the opposite reaction. What? I love that line. I I, like the way he said, I see you cooking. He he does not say cooking. Okay, he says... Hang on, I'm finding. I wrote down this quote.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, okay. I think it is I watched you get cooked up. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I I just think back cuz I love I've always shipped Bevan Picard. And so for yeah. me, it just made me nostalgic for all of the episodes where they displayed so much chemistry. You know, what I'm talking about yes. attached and even oh. um all good things. Mm-hmm. Um naked time I mean come on <laughs> now, you mean? oh yeah naked now so sorry I'm not upgraded to the next generation um yeah so I don't know I've just shipped these characters for so long I feel like Riker I think that's why I love that line yes. Is because like yeah. I also watch you get cooked up for 20 years boy <laughs>
0: <Nice
1: and chicken. laughs> yeah so fair um yeah so there's a lot to unpack of course with Jack um because, you know, he's got a whole history with Picard. Um, I think we must first talk about Bev, though, and just, you know, her as a mother and then her decisions uh, to not include Picard in, like, give him the option to be a part of Jack's life. How do you feel about this? How do you feel seeing Bev kicking ass as a mom? How do you feel her maybe discluding Picard from this? Okay, so I have to view this in two ways. I'm number 1 viewing it from my own opinion and then number yeah. 2 viewing it from like judging it based off of the conversation that they have because if I like just heard Bev's perspective and if I was in her situation honestly might do the same thing like I'm I'm really team Bev honestly on her choice not to tell Picard, because her explanation she gives is very convincing, where she was going to, but then he was, like, held captive for nine days by the Romulans, and then, you know, a couple days later, a bomb went off, and a couple days later, like, this and that, like, everything keeps happening. She knows that she can protect her son, but she doesn't know if she can protect Picard's son. So, Mm, I well said real yeah. well that's what she says. <laughs> literally <laughs> well that's said, literally that's what she said.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I yeah. I really resonate with that. I think and as the mom, it's kind of her choice to mm. do what she wants, but also I mean, I don't have a perspective of a man. I I I was sure. f- I mean, eh, not not just a man, but like as a partner who had someone else was having my child, I just yeah. I would want to be involved for sure, and I would super want to know. So I, I, I'm i kind of with both of them, that I really agree with Bev and what she did. My point that correlates with number two that I said earlier is mm-hmm. that I think Picard is very unconvincing when he talks to Bev in this conversation. I very much dislike, actually, how they first um, re- reunite after all mm-hmm. of this time. There's no hugs. There's no, like, I'm so happy you're not dead, Bev. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, there's no love between them in this first scene. It's only arguing about Jack. And I really am missing that for this entire season three. I feel like there's not a lot of times where him and Beverly get to have, like, genuine, like, chemistry again. 100%. It only happens when it's a time of crisis. Like, Jack is in danger and they have to, like, reunite. And that happens, like, three times. And if that's the only context I'm getting this connection in, I'm not buying it. I mean, that's not saying... I want to reiterate, I I don't think they don't have chemistry as actors. I just mean, like, I want them to get back together, and I'm not seeing that happen. We didn't get a freaking answer on that. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. But as, like, parents, they're talking it out, you know? Rihanna, what are your thoughts about Bev, and should she have told Picard? So, ironically, I am a little bit more on Picard's side. I think that his, sort of, the way he was being accusatory and the way he went about discussing this with her was not good. But I think also, again, with the withholding of information, we talked about this with Gabby last week in Prodigy, how a lot of people make the excuse of, oh, you're a kid, so therefore you're not like privy to this kind of information. I think it's similar with spouses or with partners or whatever situationship they're in. You know, I think that withholding information, like we talked about with Corey, it automatically puts the person at a disadvantage and Picard does say like you took away that choice of mine because Bev is so hell-bent on saying Picard or Jean-Luc <laughs> you love the stars you're not put on by it you love it and you you love these kind of adventures and you've always ardently said that you do not want a family all this kind of stuff which is absolutely true and would definitely be a huge turn off to telling him about this child I totally understand that. I think though that Picard's point of how do you know things wouldn't have changed and I think 75% or more percent chance that he would have maybe not quit Starfleet but gotten a desk job or gotten a job that like wasn't captain of the flagship or perhaps was some kind of like other position that would still give him those sort of thrills and everything but also allow him to be a part of Jack and Bev's life and so she never gave him a chance to change exactly yeah, yeah. and he did say like you can't like what what she, he say he said it well but like you essentially can't indict people before the event even happens type thing and so I think that she was writing on a lot of assumptions of a younger Picard and as we see with everyone here with Geordi and Riker and Worf even they've changed so much just from experience and time and gaining families or in Worf's case, whatever is happening with Alexander. Um, so I think that that is a really good point from Picard. I just don't like that they're like essentially in sort of a shouting match together. It never makes me comfortable watching confrontation on screen. I'm like, no, please just hug and, and like speak plainly, but don't yell. Um, so, but I do agree with Bev. Of course she has hesitation. Of course she's worried about this because absolutely Picard is like a high profile person and people would go after Jack if they knew. But I think you have to talk about that with him. Discuss your fears. He discussed how he was afraid of becoming his father. And so I think you have to give him the same respect and care of saying, here's my fears. I'm afraid that you're going to leave us. Or I'm afraid that you're so high profile that Jack will get killed in a firefight or get kidnapped or, I don't know, get kidnapped by the Borg, (laughs) which happened. Um, And so i really feel for them both this is an impossible situation and again so complicated they just want to make these family dynamics as complicated as possible on the show and it, it's it's real it's life you know and i think this happens a lot with mothers or people carrying a child when they're trying to make that decision and so i really have so much empathy for beverly and i think that it was also born of isolation and of fear more than it was out of true belief that Picard would not be a good father and so that's just not fair for either of them also she lost Wesley and yes I think that is a huge reason of why she Mm -hmm. kept Jack so close too because she she even says I lost Jack to the stars I lost Mm -hmm. you to the stars I lost Wesley to the stars like Mm -hmm. and so keeping Jack as her own like raising him on her own like she's trying to control him but not in a way that soon is she's just yes. trying to and, and she says this and she says this even like towards the end of the season i think in vox where you know he's like turning into the borg um <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> he's turning yeah. into vox and mm-hmm. she says i kept him so close i didn't even realize what was happening right under my eyes cuz she had this like these, she had blinders up when it comes to him even yeah. as badass as she is and like she'll phase or anyone but <laughs> yeah. um she wasn't seeing what was going on with jack so yeah, I think a huge part of this was informed by Wesley. I mean, Will Wheaton even says because there have been so many questions like why didn't he come back and visit Beverly? You know, and Will Wheaton's answer is choosing to become a traveler means you have to let go of all of your like earthly or galaxy like attachments. Yeah. And it's so opening the last chakra in Avatar: the Last Airbender. Literally, winter, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. and so he like ascended (laughs) like he's he even says he's he's no longer he's was formerly known as wesley crusher he's no longer wesley crusher anymore Mm. but that doesn't mean that bev is like fine with that yes um so they don't they don't really they they hint at it but i think that's mostly why she didn't tell picard is she's like well i can control this situation without someone else uh i can make all my own decisions ashlyn so effing true thank you for bringing that up and I really respect your opinion and I respect Bev you know like I I think that that's a really tough choice and it is just a shame of course that Jack had to have this terrible first impression of Picard that we see in the flashback I like literally couldn't even watch it it gives me the most secondhand embarrassment of my life like I skipped through it I was like I remember it <laughs> clear as day <laughs> Picard bragging in the bar and then, you know, coming up to Jack and all that kind of stuff. See, I don't mind that scene because Picard is in a crowd situation. Like, and I know Jack's excuse for not meeting him. Like, yeah, okay, it does hit you. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. this would hit anyone watching this. But I've kind of grown soft towards it. And I understand that you can't judge someone on what their public persona is. Yes. Because that's totally different. Like, even, yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally different. And... Jack should have I'm not saying he should have known but he should give Picard like a couple more chances you know than just like judging him based off of one interaction I think was kind of unfair and then I also want to say this is the first time I'm watching these episodes since the first time I watched it so now knowing everything that's happened I'm rewatching Picard again and it is very interesting seeing how Jack treats Picard in the first couple episodes, I think it's just the first two, and then Beverly's like, yeah, he's my son. Because Mm -hmm. right off the gate, like, he's pointing a gun at Riker when they're on Elos, Elios, Mm -hmm. Bev's ship, and he knows immediately, like, Picard does introduce himself, he's like, I'm John Luke Picard, I'm awesome. (laughs) Um, But Jack knows exactly who he is, because he's literally seen him before. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I think he plays it pretty cool but I can't help yeah. but think that he is absolutely judging every single thing that he sees. And the yes. scene that drives me crazy but I also think is a good setup to the relationship is later when they know like they're <laughs> as like yep yeah. they know you're my you're my dad, I'm your son and Jack is in the brig. And Vadek has given them an hour to figure out what to do with Jack. Like, thank Lord, you for the plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so Picard is like interviewing him. Like, okay, so you're like, you've done terrorism <laughs> and you're like a weapons dealer and you're terrible, blah, blah, yeah. blah. He's like, you know, listing everything that Jack has wanted for. And this scene drives me crazy because it they do not get along. But mm-hmm. I also think Picard, he gives Jack a reality check of like, I am not just thinking about you as my son right now I have 17 minutes to figure out what to do because we're in a crazy situation and so I think it's actually good as cringe as that scene is to me I think it's good for Jack to see what kind of pressure Picard is under and how he's able to act under the situation so it's very telling absolutely and then of course we get the beautiful amazing most show-stopping scene ever with um, Gates McFadden and Patrick Stewart just exchanging – Sir Patrick Stewart just exchanging this, like, these looks to each other. And that's when he finds out, that's my son, you know? Which I think is funny that he was like, I'm going to hand him over if it's Beverly's son. But if it's my son – Stop, 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 stop everyone. Like, what is this with, like – there's, it's, he's still Beverly's son regardless of if he's yours too. I've never thought about that. I'm dead. He's like <laughs> everyone. Screw was just you, like, Bev. he's a criminal. <laughs> Send him to the bounty hunter. <laughs> 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 Blows my mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm dead. I second though that that scene where Bev like. Wordlessly Communicates to Picard is mm-hmm. one of my top moments from the yes. season. I remember when it came out, I watched it like 16 times in a row because I was like the emotion, yeah. the acting like yes. <laughs> ah! Yeah. We all couldn't shut up about that. Like Twitter went crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like so good. Give this give this babe some Emmys like oof. literally. Yeah. Um also, so I think let's talk about the turning point a little bit here in their relationship because for exactly what you said ashlyn it's in moments of crisis that we finally see Bev and john luke getting along and we see a turning point for john luke becoming a father a pseudo you know like that sort of metaphor with the 17 seconds going down the turbo lift, learning that jack is hurt and possibly dying yeah they just mirrored it except jack is like a grown man <laughs> yeah, grown <baby. laughs> what was the word in beta z that was like a a big baby or something. Yeah, I can't remember, <laughs> anyway. but good old Troy. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I really love this scene, though, especially Gates McFadden's acting when she, like, gets Jack into sort of the room and everything, and she goes, oh, God, he's fading! And the way that she's acting, like, I'm like, yeah, that's his mom. Like, I'm totally convinced, 100%, that this is just, like, Mommy Crusher doing her thing, saving her, her literal son's life, like... It's so so well done and then to see Picard come in and like just sort of you know, just stop in place and see what's happening, noting knowing what he can lose and treasuring it more because of that. I think that's such a turning point. Maybe not so much for Jack, but for Picard. Yes, I really agree. And I think it's after this is when they have like some of their holodeck time together. Yes. Because I love it. It's you know, they can only make so many sets. So they're like, let's not <laughs> ten make forward again. <laughs> yeah, let's not make the holodeck like a like a Vegas or anything. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just is. go back to 10 forward. Which is where Jack saw Picard in the first place which i thought was like i forgot about that good point that's why picard when they first like walk in together um he's like this place is of significance to me and i think jack says something like oh yeah i know (gasps) you know like i didn't even pick that up yeah Uh, it's like yeah so they have all these 10 forward scenes together and jack says at one point i don't need to be having these conversations i don't we don't need to talk about my childhood because I don't need this. And Picard's like, "Well, I think I do. So mm-hmm. we need to have these conversations." And I think that's great for Picard to admit because it's showing yes. that he does care genuinely about Jack. And Picard, you know, we we talked at the beginning of this episode about Rios and how uh invested he was the moment he met this kid, Ricardo. Yes. Obviously, it's it's different because you know Jack is much older than Ricardo, but True. still, I think if this position was switched and Rios found out that he had a son he would be like my boy my boy!" <laughs> you know Literally, he'd be so pumped he'd be like yes. oh my god what are your interests you know totally. like so yeah. excited and Picard is like oh 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 yeah uh, okay so yeah. um
0: <laughs> let's what do we do see here, here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally
1: he's so uncomfy and so mm-hmm. I'm just proud of him that he can even like have these types of conversations and He's just doing what he can to try to show Jack, like, hey, I would like to be in your life, um, yes. but I know, like, think they, they still have to walk around eggshells around each other. Sure. I think a tur- another turning point that gets Jack more on board is when Shaw comes in. I can't believe we haven't said Shaw's mm. name this whole episode, but when Shaw comes in at ten Ford and he's, like, really upset. <laughs> and a little drunk, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's basically crying about Wolf 359. Yeah. Um, And talking about how Picard, like, was a Borg and, like, (laughs) killed all his friends. And Jack, because I was thinking at first, like, oh, man, this is just going to drive a further wedge between Jack Mm. and Picard, which is not what I want to see. But instead, it's the opposite. Jack is, like, defending him now. Yes. And I can't help but think, like, Jack has known what, like, everything about Picard before they even met. And so I'm sure he, like, secretly looked up to him you know and so this yes. is kind of his like reflex is like I'm gonna defend my dad like hey that's not fair for you yes. Um, so I was just happy that this made them I think a little bit closer agreed and I love when he goes running after Picard Picard kind of gets out of there he's like I'm traumatized this was awful and Jack runs after him and says you don't have to explain yourself to me I love that oh. what a great reach out moment and it's so lovely you know that they have this like starting to form this bond um which of course is gonna become a Borg bond (laughs) which is insane. Ashlyn I do want to talk a little bit about the moment we find out that Jack is like communicating with the Borg on this like subconscious level because there's a lot of blame going around between the parents especially. I feel like unfounded you know absolutely it's no one's fault like truly it's Justin Picard's DNA And Crusher's blaming herself for not seeing it sooner, which is just insane, too. Like, I think a lot of parents do that, though. If a student, student, if a (laughs) child is struggling with mental illness or if they have, you know, like maybe a secret they're keeping from them or something, a lot of parents will go to that. Why didn't I see this sooner? Why didn't I, you know, all this kind of stuff and there's only so much of that you can do before you're just driving yourself crazy and and it's not productive at all. And so I just like want to do a shout out to them to be like, it's not your fault. This was literally a Borg BS thing. Like, it's not, it's just what happened and they have to deal with it. And of course, they do in a, in a beautiful and amazing, life saving, galaxy saving way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think parents, you know, if you have your children's best interests at heart, it ha- i mean again i have no experience except like my poor right. my poor kitty arthur I, like yes. he has all of my bad traits and all of oh. danny's good traits um- <laughs> i gave birth to him (laughs) (laughs) but like you know you can't help but if you see i would imagine if you see your child has the same like stubborn trait as you you're like oh why did i pass that down it's so annoying and all you can do is say this is how i deal with me being stubborn or Mm -hmm. you know you go to what are your go-to fixes for this and all all you're doing is just trying to gain control in a situation that you don't have control you aren't unless you're a laurian you cannot control what kind of traits are passed down to your child so you just have to deal with that and mm-hmm. i think because it's so new to picard i did notice a lot he he keeps bringing that up over and over again like oh jack got the worst in me like mm-hmm. he says it in yeah. different ways throughout the whole totally. season yeah um because he's placing this blame because he's a new parent and he doesn't know what else yes. to do so
0: true
1: um yeah, just, just a shout-out. Like Parenting is hard. <laughs> it's I, so
0: hard. It seems yeah. like. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sounds really difficult. Yeah, so then Jack takes off when he finds out, and this is, of course, when everything is really going down, and he joins the Borg. He joins the Borg Queen, becomes Vox, the voice of the Borg, um, intending to fight but really kind of giving up in a sense of, oh, this is who I've always been, this is my destiny kind of thing. And even when Picard – I just love, too, that Picard – and Beverly both have sort of their roles to fulfill in this moment as parents and as, you know, Starfleet officers, uh, well, at least for Picard, that um he has to go in and be the one to have this like Borg talk in the Borg land, you know, because obviously he understands better than everyone, anyone, like we're talking about with Seven. And Sydney, he knows deeply how this feels and... I think it's really important that he was the one to like, he connected himself to the hive mind again in order to get through to Jack. That's incredible. What a sacrifice. And Beverly not hesitating to take that shot that could kill everyone she loves, everyone that's left in her life. Like, that is the most badass thing I've ever seen. Yeah, agree. I want to do a little callback, just like back up a little bit. Um, to the scene where Picard so they first find out that the Aromotic Syndrome is actually not Aromotic Syndrome it was a remnant of Picard being Locutus that was passed down to Jack in his brain that was mirroring the symptoms of Aromotic Syndrome but actually was just like a biological Borg part um which makes this is what makes jack like so invaluable and why the queen wants him as vox but when this conversation happens picard's freaking out and he's like i have to go tell jack it's my fault like he's 100 percent blaming himself he's i mean like i said he's freaking out and i'm just saying i said this i think in the picard explosion or on some show i like picard should not have been the one to talk to jack Mm. in that perspective what about Beverly, who's known him for much longer and can probably talk him down and out of going Mm -hmm. to join the Borg. Um, I do think that Picard is in a very unique experience where he does understand how close he came to losing everyone he cared about. So he's trying to convey that to Jack. And I think it's like, wow, that's an amazing um, piece that they can connect on that (laughs) no one else will have. But he does, he still goes about the wrong way. They should have gone in together. and. Bare, yes. bare minimum. Even if it wasn't Picard or Beverly, you know who the best person would have been it would be Seven of Nine. Thank you. And they've yes. already set up this like connection that they have. You know them talking about Voyager together, and even throughout, like Jack and Seven have this like cool like let's find the changeling moment early on in the season. Yes. Like they've been connecting, and at the end, we know that he's like her uh. Naomi Wildman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sister. Exactly. <laughs> He's like an old Naomi. Oh. So, um like they have this connection. Yes. And so I just think it would have been like this is a case where sometimes your blood family is not the ones you want to talk to. You yes. need to talk to someone who has extreme experience Years of experience yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> with the board, which is yes. 7 of 9. She could yeah. have fixed the situation instantly, I think. Yes. Yes, yes, period. 100%. That was a mess. They took that one for sure. <laughs> but, you know, they had to have something to get Jack to go join True. the board. So they needed the plot. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's a lot to unpack with this whole, mm-hmm. like, the finale and the build-up to it. So as Rihanna said, Beverly's, like, finger on the trigger, like, ready to kill her family um, to save the galaxy. Um, I think this, like, this finale is a wonderful way of weaving in the... Impact of having that found family and your blood family together, family. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, this it like weaves together the blood and the found family. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is especially apparent when Riker and Worf. he I'm finally talking about Worf. Worf. Yes. Um, Riker and Worf beam down with Picard on the cube, or a sphere, whatever shape it is. The, the pyramid. <laughs> um, I can't remember the they egg. Are pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah. <of the> <laughs> Oh my god, it's literally a pyramid scheme. It's like I will submit you, you assimilate. <laughs> you like all your brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll get a then discount. You get you'll get an upgrade <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We'll eventually promote you to Born Queen okay, if you, you assume <laughs> zero. <laughs> oh my god, Zero one. Sorry. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, amazing. Oh my god. So yes we have we have Picard, Riker, and Worf on the pyramid pyramid cube Mm -hmm. and um uh there's a scene where they have to say goodbye and Mm. Picard's like okay I have to stop I can't be your captain anymore I have to go be a father and I was thinking to myself I'm like man Riker gets it you know and then I'm looking at Worf Warf's like what? <laughs> Warf does not get it. <laughs> <laughs> not a crumb of Alexander like, they, at all. They could have made this a wonderful uh-huh. father scene, but like <laughs> Worf is a literal father. And he still doesn't. He get has it. not said Alexander's name. Like Riker With barely no remembers clue. Kestra. <laughs> the erasure of these these literal children in their lives oh it's alexander's me. not a kid anymore but he's still a, the child of i Worf mean
0: like does Kayla. it
1: does he talk to alexander <laughs> at all like did he fully just give up after he lost judzia like i just don't know well and alexander on ds9 was what like mid-20s like 25 yeah, or something I'd say so so yeah. at this point it's been about it's 25 been years. So yeah. maybe is Alexander in his 50s. <laughs> like,
0: we just want to
1: know. But regardless, what, does Alexander have children? Is Worf a grandfather? Like, <laughs> we don't know. I would love to, would know, love to know, know that. Yeah. Is he alive? Okay, anyway. <laughs> could they could have done the whole plot of the one where what's the one you know the titles now better um where he goes back in time firstborn firstborn yes wow wow rihanna knew it um Uh, they could have done that whole plot where actually Worf became a pacifist because Alexander, he saved him, and now they're both pacifists together. Rihanna, there's Boom. too many characters to have all of these plots in the no, season. No, but they could have just said it, throw away line. I, I don't know, care. I know. <laughs> so- it, it's because they dedicated all that stuff to Riker, and there's yeah, no, room Worf. he, no room for Worf. He room for Worf. Worf is Rafi's parenting. handler, and Ro yeah, no, is it. Worf's handler, and he drinks tea these days um <laughs> oh god we love him we love him for we love it, him even just bad parenting moments but this is the family series that i have to just <laughs> yeah. laugh at his Dragon ass Warf- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wow yeah that's but, so true anyway yeah i but he makes up for it because later um, things are looking really bad, and Picard or Riker and Worf are about to be like beamed up back on the Enterprise. But they're like, you know what? We would rather die for our bestie, John Luke. And yes. so they just run back into the area where they can't get beamed up from. And Troy is like, "What the f? Like, like
0: literally,
1: what? <laughs> literally, like you're dying." I mean, I I get it. Like this mm-hmm. is the universe. You're trying to save your friend. Um sure. But still, like to me, on, my dudes, yeah. I I did love the family moment. Like they, like this TNG crew is. Besties for life, like I always think about. Supernatural blood is thicker than water, but in yeah. this case, like it's TNG blood. Anyway, it is. <laughs> I mean, even Riker, when they're on the amazing bridge of of the of the D, um... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I love saying just the D. The D. Um, ja- or, LOL. Riker says, uh, "We're the crew of the USS Enterprise. We're family, you know." And I love that Troy then goes, "Jack, alandra and Sydney too." <laughs> Like, she had to add in, remember the kids. (laughs) She's like, it's the next Next Generation family. Yeah, exactly. They're family, too. So, and Riker says, wherever you go, we go. And so that's just a beautiful moment to remember that, like, yeah, it started with them. And they then created all their little branches of the family tree after TNG. After they they built their own family as crew. Okay, so then they have a wonderful hug because we have this glorious last-minute saving moment. Even though Bev is, like, fully convinced she just killed her son and maybe lover, whatever's happening with Picard, um, and her besties, you know, so that's an amazing moment where, like, gives me Doctor Who, like, just this once everybody lives, you know, like, wow, we finally, we didn't get any deaths, except for Shaw, (laughs) R.I.P.
0: We will miss you. Um,
1: But then they get this, like, glorious hug on the bridge, some family moments. Worf gets a little pat on the back and then takes a nap. Like, it's just all glorious. And what a great sort of wrap-up for for. These like individual families and the family as a whole. Yeah. Okay. We can briefly talk about Jack. Is nepotism? Oh, a nepo baby. A nepo baby. He go. He like surpasses Starfleet, and he just like (laughs) immediately gets to be Captain's assistant to Seven. on the ship that was the titan rechristened to picard this is where i'm like terry you went crazy, crazy. like <laughs> the last minute <laughs> someone needs to rein you in this is crazy <laughs> what's going on here Literally. um and then q's like hello I, yeah, oh God, I, yeah okay me. so we talked yeah. about it now we're done The i yeah. what i love is the very last scene of this season i think it 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 makes me forget about all my problems with the rest of the episodes because we finally get like they're all lit. Like Picard is bartending so hard. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Picard is like giving drinking (laughs) blood wine all night. Iconic, yeah, Legend. I know. Picard's pouring them all doubles, like for sure. Yeah, and then he like makes this like nice poetic, it's probably Shakespeare speech or something. Mm-hmm. And then he pulls out a card and he's like, "Let's go!" And Let's they play. all play poker together. Aww. And like, man, if you if you didn't cry at this scene, you don't have a heart. Like, <laughs> I I love seeing this together. I also love the way that Bev is looking at Picard as he's talking. Yes. I think that's one of my favorite moments. And I think that's all you need to know about if they're together or not. Because no one except me and everyone who loves Jean-Luc Picard looks at him that way. Like, (laughs) I really, I felt seen looking at her, like, gazing lovingly at him. I was like, man, that's how I look at him, too. Maybe they're gonna have a little fun night tonight, like, after the poker game. Oh, for sure. No, I think, (laughs) and and also, like, Picard throughout this season has been distancing himself from the responsibility and from Starfleet. Mm -hmm. Like, even early on, I noticed this in the episode where they first are trying to save in the very beginning where Riker goes Captain and then Picard goes A and that was just so like genuine like I am so not like serving on a Starfleet (laughs) these days like and and Riker is like uh old habits like sorry like Admiral Mm -hmm. you know um but that was the first time I noticed like he's really he's getting so distanced because I think even in season one he would have answered like yes will you know like I am I am Captain even though it's not my rank and so totally. then like by the time we see him like tending bar and hanging out with all of his besties he he's a different person truly he he's yes. enjoying himself he's having so much fun everyone is folding and he's like I challenge <laughs> I'll raise you Riker you yes. know and again despite everything we said like I really feel like he has come a, a long long way in this series Agreed. and Agreed. I just I can't help but feel so happy for him He like oh he did it <laughs> <gasps> i know i'm so i'm really glad of this conclusion for picard particularly like what a great arc throughout these seasons and for a family series like what a great (laughs) they really gave us a lot to look at Uh, overwhelming a lot yeah like this is the most immersive i think yeah yeah i i should say immersive on like specific characters because there's so much family to cover in we Star Trek. So much, And yeah. Rihanna, I just, we don't have to get too crazy into this, but just off the top of your head, what series do you think handles family relationships the best? Well, you know, you know, Deep Space Nine is always going to be my answer. Not always, but a lot of the time. I think particularly with sort of the fathers stepping up in these roles where the mothers are absent it's such a like flip on its head almost and i know that this happens in real life obviously all the time but especially like the role of cisco and being like a a black father you know to jake like and not and not being absent and being present was so important for that time i think they do that family dynamic so well the stuff with moogie is incredible you know like i love that she gets her own sort of Arcs and things. I think that they just do a great job with also understanding like the the complicated nature of like growing up in the occupation and how families deal with that. You know, with Kira, I just think overall they have such dynamic representations of family. Lita kind of coming on to be pseudo Nog stepmom later on. That's really fun. Rom in general, a great father, great to watch. Miles is really fun to watch. Um, my- Miles and Keiko being sort of a family unit. So yeah, definitely Deep Space Nine for me, because we get so many different types of family. I'm Ashlyn, I'm, yeah, how about yeah, you? I, DS9 is absolutely my first thought. Mm-hmm. So just to say something different, I'm going to go with Discovery.
0: Because
1: I think as new Trek goes, like what I expect is that it's gonna be kind of like pioneering mental health and we'll be really like pushing the boundary as far as like what we've seen in Star Trek before. And that's Mm -hmm. absolutely discovery. I think the way that everything that's handled with Michael is complicated but done really well. Mm -hmm. And I think it is all in character with the canon that they've already set. The found family is really present there. And even things like Tilly having a bad like relationship with her mom. Like, it's all really realistic to me. And so when I think about what I want Star Trek to look like, it looks like Discovery in terms of like, mm-hmm. family and how they handle that. So I agree with you. I think overall, probably New Space Nine absolutely throws it out of the park. I mean, Niners. Yeah. Niners for Literally, life. Yeah, um, home run. Yeah, yeah, home run for the Niners. But mm-hmm. I'll say of of all the New Trek, I will go with, with Disco. Beautifully said. And thank you for that really good question. Oh, sure. Well, Rihanna, before we say goodbye... I would like to thank Jordan Hirsch, Megan Chowning, MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Curlon Nascos, Wolf Witt, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle for all being our patrons on patreon.com. Thank you so much for your contribution to the podcast. Thank you so much, patrons. We appreciate it. And you'll be getting your goodies soon. It's been forever, but thank you again for being so wonderful. Yeah, new month is rolling around. If you're paying $12 or $23 a month, you get merch a lot. So, yeah, go (laughs) sign up. So, yeah, wow, Rihanna, we did it. This is, for now, for now, of everything that's out presently, we are done with Family Series. We will continue whenever we see Prodigy, uh, whenever that season two is released on whatever oh, streaming God. platform. Yeah. We will, uh. of course, be talking about Discovery after it comes out and Strange New World. So Family yeah. Series is not over forever, but for it's now... quite over. Yeah. No, it's never quite over, but for now we are closing the book on it. And this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy after about six months of teasing (laughs) we are finally starting the freaking engineering series next week so Ah. we're talking about scotty in tos Scotty! we're having a scotty episode this is gonna be so exciting i can't wait i'm so excited yeah this is gonna be fantastic thank you for choosing this amazing series already i'm pumped ashlyn yeah um we are gonna see what we can do about guests yeah so just stay tuned Thank you so much, listeners. Thanks for joining us on this family extravaganza, and we hope you enjoyed. And please just keep tuning in, keep looking at our socials, and we just appreciate you. We really do. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Rihanna. I thank you. yeah, I'm freaking out about next week and i'm just so happy that we get to have these types of conversations family always surprises me we always Mm -hmm. get to points that blow me away so agreed thank you rihanna for always being with me thanks for being my family yeah oh amen (laughs) yeah (laughs) 10 out of 10 would do again yes (laughs) (laughs) all right rihanna live long and And prosper prosper. Uh ha. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the first episode of our engineering series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss Scotty in Star Trek, the original series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating two, six, twelve, or twenty-three dollars per month, you can become a monthly patron and receive exclusive perks for every tier. You can find all of this information and more at patreon.com/slash the Podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Podcast at gmail.com. So far we have covered these podcast series: pilot episodes. Family, Love and Affection, Time Travel, Villains, Movies, Feminism, Death Fakeouts, First Officers, Spooky, and the Holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith.